This coverage is live and uncensored. So if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio episode 201 for Thursday, October 10th, 2013. It seems that we are experiencing a load of different technical difficulties, so I am trying to get to the bottom of it. I'm sure if you are listening via Mixler, you are getting the show that way. It seems that the either it's the video feed or the um, blog talk radio, some shit is not working. Oh. Correction. Thank you, Suncast. Suncast says he sees me just fine. But like I said, I think that the blog talk radio side of things is just not working very well. So we are going to have to rock the show with no calls this week unless I can log in and see if... uh... Hold on a second. I'm getting a communique from Suncast. All right, so he's telling me to talk closer into the mic. Slick is telling me that he's not getting any audio. We got all kinds of shit going on. Uh, Let's see. Zero audio on phone or internet. Huh. All right, let's see if we can get to... Jay Santi says he can hear me. Everybody says that they can hear me quite well, so you know what? Let's see if I can get this blog talk radio shit working, because I know some of you guys are going to want to call in. Bear with me one second. Fuck it. All right, fuck it. We're just going to go with the without the dial-in today. Clearly, blog talk radio wants to fucking be a bag of shit, so let's get into this week's show. All right, so last week, we banged out MTR 200. Ton of great praise from a lot of people letting me know how much of a blast it was seeing me live and in color. And, um, of course, I got vitamin water this week and trusty monster energy, which I couldn't even drink because shit decided not to work. And let me pull this mic up a little further. There we go. Anyway, so 200, everybody liked it. Everybody liked all the video and all the props and all the insanity that ensued. But um, a couple of things got to be tweaked. I got some lights behind me, so I'm going to sweat to death, and um, I got a curtain set up. It's not completely finished, but it's a start. To answer your question, Dark Helmet, yes, Blog Talk Radio always gives me crap, um, partially because I was doing some wiring over the week. The other is because it's it's always some madness. Anyway, so let's get into this week's show. Uh, We got... 
Battleground, WWE Battleground, Raw, last night's UFC event, and uh, what is this? <laughs> ah, Slick, where did I get the chocolate Monster Energy from? From 7-Eleven on Jericho Turnpike. Yes, Monster Energy now makes protein shakes. They should just give me money. Anyway, so as I was saying, we got Battleground, Raw, last night's UFC event, The Ultimate Fighter, we got some movie news for this week, and we got a couple of other things on tap as well. I did want to get into something that went on this week, and it's it kind of goes into gaming news, and it's partially um, opening monologue, so let me just get the ball rolling with that first. Anyway, so here's, here's how this week shaped up for us. Yeah, on Wednesday afternoon... Well, yesterday, I should say, I got to attend an event hosted by Square Enix, of course, makers of Final Fantasy and a wealth of other awesome titles. So since we did not get to go to Comic-Con, at least on the bright side, Square Enix extended us an invitation to go and visit them yesterday. So we do got we got to see a couple of awesome titles and, and play them as well. I got to see Thief. We also got to see Deus Ex Director's Cut, which is extremely awesome looking. Uh, we also got to play, I got to play Final Fantasy Lightning Returns, uh, Kingdom Hearts, a couple of different ways to do it. And um, the thing that, that really got me was the fact that it was very, it wasn't super packed. They had a great setup, they had a great spread of food, but it was what happened afterwards that was really crazy. Um, you know, I, I got there around 10 o'clock. I, I tested a couple of games till about 2 o'clock, so I decided to head to the office. And um, the event was on 50th Street, and I got to take the train in Penn Station, which is 34th, for those of you not familiar with New York City, to get to my office. So I run to the train to catch a 2 o'clock train, hop on the subway, and as I get on the subway, there's a guy. He looked... What can I, how can I, who can I say he looked like? I almost want to say he was a crackheaded version of Jesse Pinkman. And he had like long disheveled hair and it was dyed different colors. But the craziest thing is that what is happening? I see another communique from Suncast. Restart my video. All right, let's try this again. All right, so clearly it's going to be a night of technical difficulty. So as I was saying, we get I get on the train, and this Jesse Pinkman-looking guy is on a scooter. Now, I'm not talking about a regular three-wheeled senior citizen scooter. I'm talking about uh, a big four-wheel ATV-looking crazy scooter that pretty much took up most of the door. But the weird thing was that the guy was sitting... He's on the scooter like this, and then he kind of has like a blanket around him like this, like covering himself. So he's sitting upright like this on the train. Very, very weird, but he, he looked homeless. I was just shocked that a homeless guy had such an awesome senior citizen mobile unit because my grandmother, she got one, and she got a little three-wheeled uh, you know, it, it, it's funny because the three the three wheeled unit that she has has a little dial that has a turtle and then a rabbit. 
So obviously the turtle being that she wanted to go slow, the rabbit being that she wanted to go fast. This guy, he had the full kit, four wheels, and it was it was just crazy looking. But he's sitting there, like I said, he has the jacket. If I had a jacket around, I'd show you guys. He's sitting with the jacket like this, and he's, you know, I walk by him because he just looked like a fucking weirdo. So he's sitting there, and there's a, a lot of schools let out, so there's a couple of different young girls on there, a couple of young guys. And at about five minutes into the ride between 50th on route to 42nd, a guy sitting on the end seat yells, yells at the guy in the scooter. When we get to the next stop, you're going to get the fuck off the train, you motherfucker. I'm like, oh, my God, he's this guy's lost his mind and he's going to beat up this homeless guy on the scooter. Turns out that the dude was jerking off under the jacket with the young chicks there. So clearly the guy on this side saw the dude cranking one off so he kicked the guy's scooter and he said on the next stop you're gonna get the fuck off it was a young guy so the guy he um i guess he kind of got himself together and all of a sudden there's a lady that was there i guess she felt bad for him and gave and put half a sandwich that she bought in his basket so dude takes the sandwich out of the basket flings it on the floor and then as he as we roll into Times Square, he drives his little cruiser all the way down and dips out. So it was crazy because it's like, like I can understand, and those of you that live in New York City can attest, I know, I know Andrew can and Slick can, that when you get on the subway, it's always weirdness. But this took the cake because this guy... You know, you know, a lot of as he was getting kicked off the train by the young guy, he's like, fucking faker. You don't need that scooter. You fucking degenerate. And he's just yelling at the guy as he gets off the train. But it's just crazy because this homeless guy he had a ride pretty much. He had a, he had a nice, sweet ride. And um, <laughs> I know Andrew refuses to ride the subway, but he knows what I'm talking about. And it was just it was just the craziest thing. Because like I said, this happened at two o'clock in the afternoon. Now, for me, I've seen crazy stuff on the train. Usually the good one I get is when the lady walks up to you and hands you a card that's that's like this. She walks up either with a card or a whiteboard and she just she writes like like this. Like she walks up and she holds this up like this that says, "Hi, I'm deaf. Um, you know, can you please spare some change?" So as I, as I'm, as she walks by, I've had this happen. She walks by and it's usually, she usually looks like a gypsy and it's usually 80% of the time, the same lady, she holds the, I'm sitting there. Oh, I got that. The video froze again. Hold on. It's just a, a night of, of shit today. Hold on. All right. And we're back. So. I got no, I got nothing running, AZ. Andrew's over here yelling at me, thinking I got shit running in the background. I have nothing running, nothing. I got zero. I got zero. I got zero things running. I swear, it's just one of those days. Anyway, so lady walks up, holds the sign, sticks it. <laughs> Come on, man. So holds the sign in front of me. Hi, I'm deaf. So I say to her, I'm like you know, I don't have any money. I'm sorry. So she walks off as she walks off. 
I t- I'm on. I, I get on the phone. I get a phone call, and I go, "Yo, this lady. She handed me a card about that she was deaf, but you know, I think she's lying." And for some reason, she said, "I heard you." I couldn't even. I was like, "Yeah, I know." Ah, oh, this fucking video. Clearly, clearly tonight it's it's that kind of a night. Anyway. So the lady heard that I said that I thought she wasn't deaf and gave herself away. So the lady that was about to hand her a dollar decided not to give her the money. It was it was priceless. This happened about three years ago, and I still see the lady. She's old as she's old as shit. And um, you know, I guess she was so mad that I called her out on it when I was on the phone that she legitimately fucked herself up. It was it was priceless. All right, AZ, I'll catch you tomorrow. Um, I'll, I'll make that announcement in a few minutes regarding Andrew as well. But as I was saying, it, it was great because she held the sign. It was a little pre, like, little handwritten card. And she, if you gave her a dollar, she'd give you like a keychain or some, some, some shit, you know, some little tchotchke thing. And usually I'm a good egg and I give the stuff. But this time, oh, the fucking video. I got it, Suncast. I got it. All right, Suncast is saying he's going to throw on the MTR logo. You know what? Wait until it freezes again, Suncast, just in case. Because clearly, I think uh, we can get to the bottom of it. I don't know what else is running in the background, but I'm going to shut off anything else that's left. Because I've shut off, I've shut off practically everything else. So, as I was saying, oh, did it freeze again? Yep, yes it did. You know what? Uh, Suncast, just throw the logo on because clearly, clearly shit doesn't want to work. It doesn't. It just. I don't understand what the deal is. Maybe I need to switch cameras. But um, as I was saying, the the homeless the homeless guys in New York City got all these crazy rackets, and I couldn't believe. This guy looked homeless, had a better ride than most senior citizens, and was cranking one out on the train at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And he got off on 42nd Street, and nobody really did anything else other than him getting the boot off the train, which was which was insane. It really was. But aside aside from creepy guy cranking it off on the train, it was cool to see... Uh, Final Fantasy Lightning Returns, Deus Ex, um, Thief, which really impressed me. Thief is, is this particular console version of Thief, of course, is based on the PC game of the same name. It has really awesome graphics. Um, it's a first-person Assassin's Creed, for those of you not familiar with it. You definitely will get tripped out seeing Assassin's Creed in the first person, but it's definitely pretty cool. Anyway... Aside from that, I did want to make an announcement for our friends at VGN. Uh, one of the guys, Larry Mack, he lost his mom to cancer, and he's usually holds a benefit for her. So he shared the information with me, and I wanted to let you guys know about it on air. It's the uh, 13th Annual Victoria Horn Memorial Cancer Benefit, and the proceeds raised at the benefit are going to go to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, and um, you know it's in honor of his mom, and it's going to sick children and all the bills go to St. Jude. So if you're interested, 
I'll include all the information in the show notes. If you're local in Ohio, you can check it out from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Saturday, December 28th at Slim and Chubby's in Strongsville. And it's $20 for all you can eat and drink. Oh, here we go. What is Suncast using as a screenshot? Damn it. <laughs> why Why is, Why is he got to mess with me? Why? But anyway, our, our friends at VGN, you know, Larry Mack is a stand-up guy. I definitely want to support his cause. And um, like I said, I will put the information in the show notes. Oh, Jesus Christ. These guys are going to torture me in the chat room today. But um, like I said... The Larry Mack event, all the information will be in the show notes. As for Brawling for Boobies, like I said last week, my contact at Coleman for the Cure, actually, she retired. So I got to deal with a whole new slew of paperwork, uh, new, new people to deal with. Not the worst thing in the world, but definitely not as easy as it was. So be on the lookout. We're definitely going to try and do something for Brawling for Boobies, but... We'll, once we get the link live and everything else, we will make an announcement with regards to that. All right, so let me stop fucking around and get into this week's MMA news because clearly everything that can go wrong will go wrong this evening. So without any further ado, let's talk some MMA. So Wednesday night, besides the Ultimate Fighter, we had a UFC Fight Night 29. The main event was Damian Maya facing Jake Shields, which not a bad, not a bad main event. But there definitely were a couple of things that that really took away from us from a very very solid card. First and foremost, it was obviously the thing regarding Husamar Palharis, which has snowballed into something super huge, and I figured we'll start with that. Uh, for those of you that don't follow MMA closely, um, Husamar Palharis is a dangerous jiu-jitsu practitioner. He is, he is so dangerous that people train just to avoid any of his leg lock submissions. This is how dangerous he is. Like, this guy, he, he has a record for not throwing any punches in a fight due to own to winning a fight with submission only. So the only problem with this guy, you're probably saying, oh man, this guy sounds like a beast. What's the problem? Here's where the problem stems. The problem stems from the fact that once he locks on a submission, he doesn't let go. Like he'll have a guy in a choke, choking the guy out, or or he'll get a leg lock in, and a guy he has to be pulled off because he's just he's just in the zone. He's a complete psycho. So in his fight with Mike Pierce, uh, the bell rang. Paul Harris started mauling him, went for the leg lock. The guy got out, but then all of a sudden, Husamar Paul Harris grabbed the leg and just he cranked on it. This guy was he was tapping hardcore. It was it was the guy was in immense pain. So the referee pretty much had to pull him off. And a lot of people were saying that he held on to the submission a lot longer than it should. Now, if you've watched MMA, you know that once the submission is in place and a tap is in, a tap is enforced, you gotta let go of the hold immediately. But uh, Husamar Palhares, this, this has been the second time he's done it, has not let go of a hold in a timely fashion. Now, the thing with move, with leg locks and heel hooks is not so much 
the the issue of the submission, but it's the fact that if you keep the submission on too long, you can damage ligaments, you can injure certain parts of the knee, including certain tendons. It's 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 very very damaging, especially when it's done in such an angle where you can also affect the ankle. So the fallout from this submission victory for Husamar Palhares was felt all the way through today, and we're going to get into that. It was definitely very, very crazy. Matt Hamill was back in action. He was fighting a catchweight against Thiago Silva, and he lost his fight against Thiago Silva via unanimous decision. Uh, It's weird because Matt Hamill came out of retirement to, you know, try and prove himself in MMA, and it it just didn't go according to plan. Like, the first round... Matt Hamill trying to go, shooting for the takedown, shooting for the takedown. Silva really aggressive with leg kicks, trying to keep him away. And um, he, he brutalized his body with, you know, he brutalized his legs with legs with leg kicks and pretty much took the fight from him. Hamill had no answer for Thiago Silva. And it's just, it's really unfortunate. But on the flip side, that fight was redeemed when Stun Gun Kim knocked out Eric Silva with a beautiful beautiful left that knocked out Eric Silva cold. He was out like a light. So stun gun gets the victory three minutes in the first round of round two. As for Damian Maya and Jake Shields, both guys are tremendous jujitsu practitioners. You kind of know what to expect in this. There really wasn't a lot of stand up. Uh, the fight went back and forth. Jake Shields ended up taking the fight via split decision. I kind of felt that Maya was very aggressive in the first round and in the fourth, and even in the fifth to a degree, it was definitely impressive. Um, losing to Jake Shields, Jake Shields is a, is, is a legend in the sport. The guy's been fighting forever, numerous organizations, and it was an enjoyable fight. I know some people that follow MMA and are looking for knockouts, they were a little bent out of shape because they felt that the fight was a little boring. I disagree. I thought that it was a great jujitsu clinic put on by both guys, and I really enjoyed it. Like I said, the bigger the bigger story out of this entire card was Husamar Palhares' submission victory, which we're going to discuss. So let's get into the fight bonuses. Knockout of the night went to uh, uh, Stun Gun. He got uh, $50,000. Yep, he got $50,000 for his knockout of the night. Now, submission of the night was all but a lock for Husamar Palhares, but... He did not get awarded the $50,000 due to unsportsmanlike conduct. Very, very interesting. Uh, the Brazilian Athletic Commission is investigating the submission to see if it was indeed held too long, but he was not given the submission of the night bonus due to unsportsmanlike conduct. Fight of the night went to Rafael Asuncao and TJ Dillashaw. Now, with that said, we got Husamar on the fence already with a fifty thousand with fifty thousand dollars less in his pocket. But it gets crazier than that. Kevin Io from Yahoo Sports put out a, a an article saying that Husamar Palhares should be released by the UFC due to his unsportsmanlike conduct. Now there's two schools of thought. And some of you may agree with this, some of you may not. I know Mortis is in the chat and he's a mixed martial artist, so he can vouch for this. If you're in the zone, in competition, and you're legitimately beating the fuck out of somebody, smashing their face in, you know for a fact that most times you're you're so in the zone that you're not going to be able to, to really just 
regain control. Sometimes you got to get pulled off. Now, in Paul Harris's case, the first time he, you know, we can definitely agree that the first time there were, there was definite, I, I don't want to say there was a definite case for, for his holding the submission longer than he should have, but I do feel that he really was not, I don't even want to say, you know, the, the thing is, it's, it's, it's sketchy to say it this way, but he really, I don't know. I mean, in the heat of the moment, you can, you can be in there and you can really put on a clinic, but still have some self-control. But I do see the, the the case that can be made where submissions get held for too long. Now, in the Mike Pierce submission, you'll see that they actually put a timer underneath. And the timer kind of gives it a sense that he held it too long. But the really, the big telling sign is the fact that the ref is pulling him off and he wasn't letting go. And that, that's where the issue is. Uh, you know, the issue isn't so much how long he held it, but the fact that the referee is yanking him off and he just wasn't, he wasn't letting go. As a result of his unsportsmanlike conduct, the UFC actually released Husamar Paul Harris. So it's, it's very interesting that Kevin Io put out this article talking about Paul Daly punching Josh Koscheck after the bell. And then shortly after that, he got released by the UFC. It's, it's crazy because, and you know, to, to quote Mortis, Mortis says there's definitely a zone, but you should know it's time to let go. when the ref is grabbing your arms, trying to pull you off. And that, that's where it, it, it really, the argument it can be made that he was trying to rip the guy's leg off. And of course he, he went on Twitter and he was like, yeah, I wasn't trying to kill the guy or whatever. You know, I was just in the zone trying to finish the fight, but dude, it's your, it's your second offense. I, should he have gotten released for it? I, I don't want to say that. I think a suspension and maybe a, um, a fine may have been in order, but a release, eh, not so much. Look, look at it like this. In the NFL, you got guys that get fined for late hits, that get fined for um, helmet-to-helmet hits, that get fined for unsportsmanlike conduct, and I feel that the same mantra that applies in the NFL, you can't apply to MMA. If the guy is, it's his second offense, you should fine him and suspend him for a year or six months. That way, you still keep a talented guy on the roster, but you're letting people know that they can't be recklessly injuring their opponents or trying to injure their opponents. And that, that's where the problem truly comes from. I really feel that a suspension and a, and a hefty fine would have been more effective than, than letting him go. Because you know what's going to happen. Bellator is going to scoop him up or World Series of Fighting is going to scoop him up immediately. And they're going to try and build off of that. Like, oh, you know, the dangerous submission specialist who Samar Paul Harris is part of our organization now. So I think while I understand the UFC is trying to keep things on an even keel, you do have to take into consideration the fact that the, the the punishment was, in my opinion, a little more severe than it should have been. I think, like I said, a, a fine and a suspension would have been fine, but to cut him loose, eh, 
I don't know. I'm really not a fan of that. But then again, the UFC is trying to cut some roster members. So, I mean, it was it was an unfortunate turn of events. Will he be back in the UFC? That remains to be seen. Speaking of injuries, uh, Kat Zingano is in the news this week. As we all know, Kat Zingano was scheduled to coach alongside Ronda Rousey for the current season of The Ultimate Fighter. But it turns out that she had a knee injury which required surgery and now she had to go under the knee under the knife again because her left knee now has problems because it's fa- it's being favored since she's rehabbing the other one so now both knees are 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 surgically repaired and it'll be a while before we see Katzengano back in the octagon CR the killer is back in action facing John Howard at UFC 168 which I'm definitely looking forward to. If you haven't seen CR the Killer fight, look up his fights on YouTube. They are a problem. Bellator also had an event this past weekend. Uh, the big highlight of that was Czech Congo's Bellator debut. He knocked out Mark Goodbeer via TKO. Well, he, he, won, he won via Mark Goodbeer via TKO with knees in the second round. Very impressive performance from Czech Congo. Vinicius Spartan defeated LeVar Johnson via TKO. In the first round. Also, uh, Brendan Ward defeated Joe Pacheco via submission. And uh, Mikel Parlo defeated Jason Butcher via unanimous decision. So, definitely a solid night of fights from Bellator this, this, this past weekend. Now, before I get into the rest of the MMA news, I did want to talk a little bit about the Ultimate Fighter. Because I feel that this past Wednesday's Ultimate Fighter had that Forrest Griffin moment. It had that moment where, you know, the ladies the ladies were front and center, and the fight that they had was without a doubt probably one of the best women's mixed martial arts fights I've seen that's not on a pay-per-view card. Uh, Slick, if you can find the Raquel Pennington fight from The Ultimate Fighter and throw it in the chat, there are highlights of that fight that are without a doubt amazing to say the least I these women impressed the hell out of me Uh, they went in there and really let it let they really put it on it was it was insane it was complete and utter madness I was I was so impressed I, I came away not only impressed with the season with that fight but just the fact that the women now have have got themselves their Forrest Griffin moment that's what it is. The women now have their 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 Forrest Griffin moment, which is probably one of the best things for the sport, in my opinion. I was I was super pumped with the way it went down. I, I felt that the the ladies needed that moment to really validate them in the UFC. Sure, you know, Ronda Rousey fighting in the octagon the first time, history was made, but from an ultimate fighter standpoint, this is the first season with women and they needed something more other besides the animosity between Tate and Rousey, you needed something more that would really bring everything full circle, and I think this was definitely the case. Um, I think I got to the bottom of what was going on with the camera. It seems that a couple of the settings were automatically enabled. Hopefully, that will eliminate any other issues this evening. Anyway, moving on. Jamie Varner's in MMA news this week. He will be facing Pat Healy at UFC on Fox 9, which I'm definitely looking forward to seeing because that, the main event, is going to be Anthony Pettis and Josh Thompson for the UFC lightweight title. Of course, the U- the main card 
will air on Fox Sports 1 and Facebook. Be on the lookout for that. And for those of you that want to see UFC 167 and don't want to pay 60 bucks, you can actually go and watch it at one of 350 movie theaters that will be hosting the event. Uh, Fathom Events announced it, and you'll be able to find that in your local newspaper and see when they're going to air and the times for it. I know that I've seen Nick Diaz and... What the hell was it? Nick Diaz and... Who the hell did he fight? Oh, Nick Diaz and Carlos Condit. I saw that in a, in a movie theater. And it was it was a great experience because we saw it in 3D, which was pretty badass. Uh, seeing pay, uh, UFC events on the big screen is definitely awesome. Hopefully the IMAX theater by me will show this card because I'd love to definitely see it at the movies. All right, so pretty light week for MMA news, minus Husamar Paul Harris nearly killing a guy and ripping his leg off, and, of course, Raquel Pennington uh, having an awesome fight in this week's Ultimate Fighter. But wrestling definitely has a lot to deliver this week. We got Battleground, we got Raw, and we got a ton of other news. So let's get right into it, shall we? We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! The World Wrestling Federation... For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Feed me more. Feed me more. Feed me more. All right, so let's get into this week's Battleground pay-per-view, which... I'm sorry to admit, was probably one of the most piss-poor fucking pay-per-views in quite some time. It felt more in line with an episode of Raw than a $60 pay-per-view. You know it's bad when people are chanting, Refund. That's how crazy that shit is. People were legitimately chanting, Refund. which Which is not only sad... But just embarrassing for the WWE. This is why they... I, I know at least 10 people that tell me. They're like, yo, man, I refuse to pay $60 for a pay-per-view. Because a lot of times, it's it's bullshit. And that is 100% true. I actually watched Battleground later on in the evening. Because I, you know, I, I downloaded a torrent. I'm not going to lie. I apologize, you know, I apologize to the WWE. I buy the big pay-per-views, but occasionally you got a torrent one, and this was one of them. The the worst part was that you had you had shades of brilliance. You did. You did have shades of brilliance. Mortis is right. The Shield and 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 the Rhodes family was a phenomenal match, but there were so many low points. There were a lot of low points. Let's not fucking kid ourselves. So let's get into some of the matches. Sandow and Ziggler was a solid match, but I just felt that you got your Money in the Bank winner getting jobbed out left and right, and there's rumors that they're saying that Sandow's actually going to cash in very soon, as a matter of fact. So, I don't know. I, I, was, I wasn't... I, I don't feel that the guys that win Money in the Bank are treated fairly. On the contrary, most of these guys, they win it, and then they go on this on this skid where they get fucking decimated every week and Sandow is that guy Sandow's starting to become what Ziggler was for a while just a just a whipping boy which is which is which is sad because Sandow has tremendous potential I'm hoping that 
if the rumors are true and he cashes in, that we'll start seeing just just better treatment of his character. Because honestly, I think Sandow has a lot to offer. Yeah, his gimmick, a little bit of the genius from WWE, but there's more to it than that. Honestly, I think that in terms of wrestling ability, he is on point. Now, Del Rio and Ricardo Rodriguez, you know... Their story continued, and Rob Van Dam was a catalyst in that story. I don't even want to say Van Dam challenged for the title, because we all fucking know that Van Dam is taking time off because it's on every wrestling website, so it was it was bullshit. On the contrary, the thing that got me with this match was it was set up, and there was no indicator whatsoever that Rob Van Dam was going to win. Now, a lot of people are saying, yeah, but you know, Rob Van Dam's going to take time off, so, you know, he had to lose. That was the argument I got talking to some of my coworkers Monday when I went into the office. But let's be, let's think about this rationally. I understand we all know wrestling is scripted. Let's not kid ourselves. Wrestling is scripted. But you kind of have to, you got to leverage the scales a little bit with regards to your overall presentation. Think about this. You watch wrestling for championship matches, good storytelling, but there's no there's no there's no drive for you to spend your money. Like, if I'm gonna open if I'm gonna open my wallet and tell the WWE, here's my fucking money, like so, then I'd like for the matches to at least give me a, a, a guessing chance. You know what I mean? Like like Van Dam and Del Rio, you're gonna go in there. You're gonna have this match for the for the belt. Uh, Rodriguez is there. The storytelling is, eh, but at least don't make it so blatantly obvious that Van Dam is gonna fucking lose. Now, I will admit that there were a lot of great spots in that match. There definitely were. The five star frog splash from the eight, you know, from the apron to the ladder on top of Del Rio was was an amazing spot as was the split-legged moonsault onto the ladder, but, like I said, it was it was a foregone conclusion. Now, the filler match, the, the toilet match of the night, was Santino and the Great Kali taking on the Real Americans. Now, the high point of that entire match was Cesaro hitting the Great Kali with the giant swing. Holy shit. It was probably one of the coolest spots of the night that wasn't, you know, a ladder spot. It was it was ridiculous because you look at Cesaro and you're like, yeah, you know, this dude is strong. He does a lot of great spots. But the great Kali is pretty much, he is the equivalent. I don't even have a broomstick around here because I put it away. The great Kali is, think of this. Think of, you guys ever walk by a tire place and you see the giant straw guy that blows around like this? That is just taking up space. You've seen that guy. You've seen him a couple of times. And he's, you know, that that guy is pretty much the great Kali. He is the, he is the blowing around tire shop guy. That's who the great Kali is. He is that, he's that dude. Because he, he comes in like, like fucking Frankenstein's monster. Rolls in on his Segway. Does a, a, a chop. Maybe the occasional chest slap, and then nothing. And then, you know, pretty much he is sack of potatoes. He is doorstop. He is coat rack. He is nothing. 
And I feel bad because it's like, I don't like shitting on the great Kali because I, it almost feels like I'm insulting someone who's handicapped, which is fucked up, you know? But think about it. The guy's legs are held together with Elmer's glue. He, he, can't, he can't get a decent match out because he can barely move. But the WWE insists on putting him on television. It's it, to, to Mortis is right. Santino, the great Kali and Hornswoggle are the oddities 2.0. But you know what the thing is? When you looked at the oddities, you had Kurgan, Golga, Luna Vashan, and all three of them could perform at a, at a, at a decent level. Kurgan was a great big guy. Luna Vashan was Luna Vashan. And Golga was, you know, he was, he was the fat guy. He, he was the guy that came, but at least you got a passable match. It wasn't the equivalent of the walking dead when the great Kali came out. Cause that's what it was. It was, he, he lumbers out and then he pretty much stands there and you have to sell his offense, which is, which is crazy. You have to sell his offense because he can, you know what that is? The great Kali is like when you, when, when people have to run into Hogan's, uh, big boot or that's pretty much the great Kali. You have to run into his offense to make him look remotely believable, which is unfortunate for a guy that big, because if he was more agile and had a bit more mobility, like the big show does, or even Mark Henry does, I think the great Kali would probably be one of your better assets, but he continues to get a free paycheck from the WWE. And we continue to be exposed to shitty fucking matches. Simple as that. Curtis Axel took on R-Truth in a match, which was pretty decent. You know, you knew Curtis Axel was going to win. They weren't going to give the belt to R-Truth, not at this point. Sure, the case can be made that R-Truth should get a bit more exposure because he is a solid performer, but, you know, shuck and jive, R-Truth, shuck and jive. AJ took on Brie Bella, which was... That's what it was. That's that's what that match was. And it wasn't because AJ wasn't any good. On the contrary, AJ got a concussion midway through the match and still finished. Still finished. You know, Tamina got involved. There were shenanigans. But the match itself, here's, here's the problem. You want to validate the Bella Twins. You want to validate them so badly. So, so badly. But you can't. You can't because they can't. They can't. They can't do anything. They can't. The Bellas are eye candy. They're 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 boobs and ass, and makeup and e television. That's it. They are red carpet. They are reality TV. They don't wrestle. The match with AJ was exactly what you would have expected—a train wreck. Because that's what it was. It was a train wreck from start to finish. The worst part for me out of that was the fact that, you know, AJ got hurt in the process. And yeah, you know, the, the bell is at least they took some decent bumps. Jay, Jay does have a point, but AJ, AJ got wrecked in that match. She took a nasty turnbuckle bump. If you guys see it, the, she went the side of her face, went into the turnbuckle like this. So basically the turnbuckle was slightly down. So she ate that metal side of the turnbuckle right into her head. So, you know, she exhibited concussion symptoms on Monday afternoon and they sent her home. But it was it was crazy that she took that bump and finished the match. Finished it. I think that the that the finish had to be rushed, but you know, 
I, I, it's commendable that she that she finished the match like that. Now, with regards to the to the Divas title, here's here's where the problems lie. You got one Bella twin that's injured. You got the other Bella twin who challenged for the belt and didn't win. The only way that you can believably transition the belt to the Total Divas is if Natalia wins the belt. If Natalia doesn't win the belt, it's fucking worthless. I think the worst part is that in Natalia's case, she's been jobbed out so many fucking times that you can't legitimately say, oh, Natalia's challenging for the belt. Maybe she'll win. Because she gets jobbed out so much and she's been damaged so much that there's, there's, no, there's no way to redeem that, which is crazy. It was, it was a nasty, nasty bump. But it's, uh, it, it makes me wonder, if they didn't have to kind of rush that finish, would the match have been a little better? Who knows? But right now, the women's champion on the shelf. So, Caitlyn actually, I believe, shows up on SmackDown this week. I know, uh, I know Jay is a big Caitlyn Mark. <laughs> it's all good. But I believe you will be seeing Caitlyn on SmackDown this week, if I remember correctly. I don't want to spoil too much, but I believe she is, uh, she is going to be on SmackDown. So, Cody and Goldust had a tremendous match with The Shield. Tremendous. Cody Rhodes probably had his breakout moment. You guys know that I, I've come on air and I've said Cody Rhodes needs that moment. That special moment to break him through to the other side. And sure as shit, this was it. This legitimately was it. And I was I and Goldust was what well, he was running on all cylinders. Goldust, I think, from what I've heard, got a contract based on this match. Which was tremendous. Goldust was probably in the best shape, wrestled the best that I've seen him wrestle in the last I want to say the last five years. Don't get me wrong, his match with 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 Randy was was excellent. He had an excellent match with Randy, but this match it it had storytelling, it had high drama, it it worked on on so many levels. But the thing that gets me is the fact that where does the story go from here? Yeah, they won. Sure. They get their jobs back. But there's more to that story. There's more there's more to it than, you know, there, there's more to it than just all right, they won and they got their jobs back. Mortis is saying that Goldust has been under a Legends contract for a while. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I remember that he was fired for the powerbomb spot that he actually had the primetime players do during a match. But the Legends contract, yeah, I'm sure the Legends contract is good. But let's think about this from, a, from the standpoint of Legends contract, active performer. These guys, they can't quit. So yeah, he probably, if he has a Legends contract, I'm sure he's got good money. But the, the, why do you think these guys, they go on the independence? Because they the, the drive is there. They need to do it. And and Jay is saying that he was actually at an indie show at the Elks Lodge a week before. So that's what I mean. Like, you have a guy like Goldust. He's not an old wrestler. He's not super old. He's not super young. But he's got himself in great shape. And honestly, I just feel that with his wisdom and the time he's been in this business... 
He has a lot to offer, and I honestly feel that there's a lot of story that could be told. You can have him and Cody fight the authority. You can have a couple of matches with the Shield. Maybe give him a run with the tag team titles. Then after you give him that run with the tag team titles, you break them up. When you break them up, then you get that match against each other. Brother versus brother that you can sell as well. You know? It, that's that's what I'm saying. It's it's one of those things where there's so much story that can be told with Goldust and Cody that that you just you had to give him the opportunity. You had to. You know? That, that that's how I see it. You had to give him that opportunity because the story is there. There's so many layers. There's so many layers you can do with these guys aside obviously from them being brothers. You can have a couple of different feuds. You can have a tag team title run. You have the split. You have the singles match that can write it off. And maybe Goldust retires. Maybe. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he works backstage. And it, and it, to, a, to agree with what Mortis is saying, Mortis in the chat says Goldust looks better now than he has in the past 15 years. I agree. I agree. Slick is saying in the chat that they need to stop this three-on-three shit and have them take down the shield for the belts. It's true. I agree. I think that the shield can put over the Rhodes brothers, they can run with the belts, and you can make the shield chase. See, and I've said this before, we've had we've had guys that can get over without titles. The shield are over without the belts. CM Punk is over without the belts. That you know, any any Daniel Bryan, even if Daniel Bryan didn't win the belt, he'd remain over because he naturally connects with the audience. Now, one of the other filler matches was Kofi Kingston taking on Bray Wyatt, which the build-up to that match was such a clusterfuck that when the match actually happened, I said to myself, why am I seeing this match? What the fuck is going on? Not because these guys suck, but just because there was zero build-up. Zero. And not only that, but the loss hurts Kofi. Kofi needs every win that he can possibly get. I've said this before. Co- you know, you have a guy like Kofi Kingston who he's there. He's he's right there. This is the glass ceiling. This is Kofi. Another guy needs that moment, needs that match, hasn't had it yet. This with Bray Wyatt didn't do him any favors. Punk and Ryback, which I expected to be a really solid match, it it felt academic. It felt like what you see on Raw. There was there were no crazy spots. There was CM Punk defeated Ryback with a low blow, and that was it. Like think about that as a think about the fact that you just paid money for this pay per view. Let that sink in. So you paid money for this pay per view, and the match ends with a low blow. All the animosity between Heyman and CM Punk, and the fact is that. Nothing. It was that. It was that. It was exactly. Thank you, Jay. Jay summed it up nicely. Punk seemed turned off by the angle. It just felt like the story came to a screeching halt when Ryback was thrown in the picture. And here's where 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 I have issue. You put Curtis Axel in there. You pretty much job out Curtis Axel to CM Punk. So so there's no there's no pressure in those matches. And then you make Ryback a Heyman guy, which is great, but the the chemistry, it just seems like the magic isn't there. 
And it could be that Punk has just lost interest in the feud, or maybe they just don't know how to move it forward, but I really couldn't, I, I honestly couldn't feel comfortable watching a third match with these guys, because it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I don't know if it's a contrast to Styles or CM Punk has so many nagging injuries that he can't he can't piece it together. I don't know. But it just it felt like I like, like I said earlier, like a raw like a raw match. That's what it felt like a low blow on a fucking pay per view for sixty fucking dollars. Are you crazy? But this this is what we're this is what we're dealing with. So let's talk championship match. Everybody's. Jones in for a great match. Jones in for a great match. We got nothing. You know what we got? We got the big slow coming out. Knocks everybody out. Leaves. And that was it. So it was pretty much a no contest. That entire match can just be summed up like... That's what it was. That is exactly what summed up that match. And the crazy thing was, you know... One of my guys ordered his that pay-per-view for his kids. So we're texting back and forth, and he's like, dude, did that shit just happen? And I'm like, yep, that's what happened. Now, Jay is saying, you know, I can't, you can't be mad at the ending. And to, to, to give merit to what Jay says, a lot of people feel that, that it was a decent ending because the sh- big show turned the corner, and it took the angle in another direction. Now... Here's where I have issue with this. You pay 60 bucks. You pay 60 bucks for a title change, a five-star match, something. And yeah, you know, again, what Jay, to quote Jay, Jay's like, doesn't always have to be the obvious. I understand from a storyline standpoint, I understand that this had to happen. But put yourself in the shoes of the average fan that buys pay-per-views more or less every month. Think about that budget. Think about that pay-per-view budget. At $60 a month, you're spending $720 a year on on pay-per-view. Just just let that sink in. You're thinking you're spending $720 a year on pay-per-view. And with that $720, nearly $1,000 on pay-per-view... This is what you're getting, which is crazy. And and, and it, it upsets me from the standpoint of you could have had it end that way with either Orton retain and we get the rematch Monday and then Monday night when the rematch happened, you know, you end it like that. And see, this is what I'm saying, Jay, and, and, and I'm not even saying it about you. I'm saying it in general. We are we live in a in a society where we can get a lot of shit without paying. I or you know I torrented Battleground. I I did, but I do buy pay per views. Now it's easy to say, yo, well if you didn't pay for it, you shouldn't complain. I, I agree, but it's my job to cover this stuff, and shit costs money. So occasionally you got to cut a corner or two, and for the sake of doing the show, sometimes you got you got to do what you got to do. Now with that said. When you buy your pay-per-views, you know, I've bought, at, in 2013, I've bought a decent bulk of pay-per-views. And it just it just didn't, I didn't feel right. I didn't feel right with the way this went. And that's what happened. 
I said I said to myself, damn, you know, I, when I got home, I had got home, I think around 9.45, 10 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'll wait, I'll wait and I'll and I'll watch it because it's true. You know, we at MTR, I don't I don't advocate piracy or downloading or whatever. Don't do it. But like I said, I had I have a job to do. So I got home 9.30, 10 o'clock. I said, fuck, there's about an hour left. I, it's too late to order the replay. I'll watch it. And I'll watch it in the morning, or whatever. So I did. So when I watched it, I said to myself, and this was before I read most of the commentary on, on the fan page, before I read Twitter, before I read the spoiler report. I said, let me watch it with a, with a clear head. So I'm watching it, and I'm like, fuck, sixty bucks, sixty, and that's that's where the problem is. The problem lies in in the $60 expenditure with no ending in sight. That's that's where the issue is. And see, Mortis is saying, hey, pay-per-views, Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, and WrestleMania, bring back King of the Ring, Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, and then a Halloween pay-per-view and Survivor Series. I agree, eight pay-per-views is fine. And that's, with, with the alleged WWE Network, the plan was the big four... We're going to be on pay-per-view, and the remaining ones were going to be for free on, on the network. You obviously are paying for the network, so you get the other pay-per-views, which, which would have worked, which would have worked had the network picked up steam. Unfortunately, you know, we don't have the network, and we have these expenditures. Like I said, it's, a, it's $720 a year on WWE pay-per-views. Now... I want to ask those of you in the chat, if you bought every WWE pay-per-view and you spent $720, would you guys be upset if main events didn't end with legitimate finishes on a semi-consistent basis? I'm curious to see what you guys have to say, so definitely, definitely, you know, share your thoughts in the chat. Think about it. You have 12 pay-per-views a year, $720. And out of those 12 pay-per-views, let's say five of them have clean finishes and the remainder have disqualifications, no contests, countouts. Ah, yes, 13 with Battleground. Thank you, Mortis. But think about it. So that's even worse. So at 60 bucks with 13 pay-per-views, that's $780. So... Let's tell me tell me if you guys agree with this. If if six pay-per-views well, you know what? Let, now that we're talking 13, if seven pay-per-views ended with legitimate finishes and the remaining ones ended with false finishes, how would you feel about that much money? Would you be in the in the crowd of I want my fucking money back or would you would you be in the crowd of you know, yeah, it's part it's part of the process. See, Slick says Big Show knocking them out is a raw ending at eleven eleven. That the the funny thing about what Slick just said is that that is that that it was a consensus across the web. The next day, I got to work. My boss was like, "Hey, you know, I got the pay per view for the kids, but that ending though." And then we were talking about the ending, and to go back to what Jay said, you know, from a storyline standpoint, makes sense. 
from uh, holy shit, I spent $60 for fucking everybody to get knocked out and the match to be a no contest. Not so much. That's that's that sums it up. Sixty bucks for a no contest. It it just it just doesn't fly. It doesn't fly for me because it it's just not it's not ideal. It's not ideal when Daniel Bryan has so much momentum coming into this pay per view and that's how you end it. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work. Now going on into the raw side of things. Raw was, Raw kind of got the ball rolling on a couple of different cylinders. We had Damian Sandow again, Dolph Ziggler, Sandow does the job again. Rosa Mendez, Oksana, Alicia Fox took on Natalia, Eva Marie, who actually wrestled, which was a bit of a train wreck, and JoJo. Now, part of that match is, but then the other part of that match was just, that's what it was and the person who killed that match was Eva Marie she's she's beautiful to look at beautiful to look at but her ring presence she fluctuated between I'm gonna sell a lot and then I'm not gonna sell at all it was crazy it's like one minute she's overselling huge, huge amount of overselling. Then the next minute, she's not selling shit. Meanwhile, Natalia looked like a boss in that match with the way she ended it with the sharpshooter. It was it was perfect. It was perfect in every sense of the word, but those two, JoJo and Eva Marie, they need a lot of fucking work. A lot of work. And I agree with Mortis, Rosa Mendez should never have gone back to Blonde. And I got to discuss Rosa Mendez this week, so I'm glad you brought her up. Mortis, thanks. Um, the Goyer brothers, because I refuse to call them Los Matadores, took on 3MB in your typical paint-by-numbers match. The same shit we always see. The little bull running around, gets a little offense in, yuck, 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 everybody laughs, move on. So, CM Punk and R-Truth, meanwhile, got together to take on Ryback and Curtis Axel. Why? Just because... R-Truth is going to take the belt from Curtis Axel? You, you could have fooled me. But um, it was a sloppy fucking match. Super sloppy. I don't know why, but it was just... it was just. Ex- See, going back to the Divas match, Mortis goes, JoJo didn't even get in the ring. She, 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 she's just like, hi, I'm just going to stand here. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Mortis also adds, El Torito is the best thing about Los Matadores. Time to bring back the Cruiserweight title. Mortis, I I, I pray that you're joking. The Cruiser... Don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd like to see a Cruiserweight title because there's a lot of smaller guys. But, you know, it's... It, I can't. I can't. If I go into this diatribe, it, it'll, it'll be an hour on its own. And while it's great... We got way too many bugs not working with the show this week, so I, I'll I'll address that further next week. Randy Orton took on Kofi Kingston, and we we all know from a mile away that Kofi Kingston was going to get murder, death, killed, which he did. We had a poll for referees for the Daniel Bryan Randy Orton match, and of course, uh, the highlight of that entire thing was seeing one of my favorite guys, Mister Backlund. Wow, there's a mosquito that just flew by me, and I can't kill it. Because I'm doing the show. Fuck. I know I'm going to get stung by a mosquito. Well, bit by a mosquito at some point. Son of a bitch. Don't you guys die in the winter? Anyway. So, 
Booker T, uh, good old Bob Backlund, and Shawn Michaels. Now, of course, you know that the WWE Universe is going to vote Shawn Michaels in. It was nice to see Mr. Backlund, though. I did. I voted for Mr. Backlund. Mortis said that he voted for Booker T, and it's tr- and it's true. Like more like. Uh, Slick said, as soon as you saw HBK, you knew he was the ref. Now, everybody's saying, oh, yeah, you know, HBK is going to he's going to call it down the middle. But here's the here's the here's the kicker with that. HBK trained Daniel Bryan. So did William Regal. Just just keep that in the back of your mind. You know, HBK trained. Daniel Bryan. So. The possibility of a screw job is—it's there. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a smidge. There's a smidge there. There's definitely a smidge there. You know, and he guarantees that there's definitely going to be a WWE champion, and he doesn't care what's best for business. He cares what the fans want. But it's—it's—it's there. It's—it's there. It's definitely there. Now the problem is, Slick Slick says that the that it's highly likely there'll be shenanigans. And I want to get into that because of an interesting story that came out this week. So hold that thought slick. But, you know, it was it was weird because Mr. Backlund was so random, but funny for comic relief. And Booker was Booker. But but Daniel Bryan, you know, it was, you know, he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a HBK, you know, he's HBK alum. That's who he is, you know. Daniel Bryan, from from what's been said, was trained by William Regal and Shawn Michaels. That's, that's, from as far as I know, uh, Mortis is saying that Daniel Bryan went to HBK shul, school, shul, wow, I was watching Megamind, and I called it shul. <laughs> um, he didn't actually train him, didn't, did he? See, that's always up for, for debate, because I've heard two schools of thought to answer Mortis's question. Some people say HBK trained him to a degree, you know, he, he did have some, a hand in training Daniel Bryan. Other people said that he attended HBK school and then got polished training with William Regal. It's always up for debate because, you know, wrestling is all a work. So it's like, did he or didn't he? What sounds better? I trained with Marty Jannetty, who was mopping the floors at HBK school, or I was trained by HBK. You know, no disrespect to Marty Jannetty, but think about it. What sounds better? I got trained by HBK. Were you there? Can't prove it, but you went there. So that's that. And that's that that's how I look at it. The the both arguments that well, both questions that Mortis posed, I've heard numerous times. Some people say that he didn't train hands on, others say that he went to the school and got some training. It it varies. But like I said, with with wrestling it's never completely truthful. So who knows? But the fact that there's that relationship with HBK is very, very important. And everybody's talking about that. And the other thing being, HBK is Triple H's boy. You know? That's that's that. Like, you know, Slick brought that out there saying that HBK, you know, could could KO Daniel Bryan because he's Triple H's boy, which, which you know, it's it's there. It, it, you know, it, it there, there are different outcomes, but... I feel that Daniel Bryan winning is is going to be probably where this is going to go. And like I said, I'll get into it later on in the segment as to why. 
Alberto Del Rio took on Ricardo Rodriguez, which was a swerve because they took the opportunity to announce that Del Rio will be defending the title at the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view against John Cena, which, of course, distracted Del Rio, which led to Ricardo Rodriguez getting the victory. And, of course, Ricardo Rodriguez was murder-death-killed for his troubles. Zack Ryder took on Fandango, which was pretty much a glorified squash, which was shitty, but... You know, what do you expect? We got a repeat of the great Kali and Santino taking on the Real Americans, and that was only done because Giant Swing. That was it. It was worth looking at. It was awesome to see, so they did it again. Which, again, you know, you pay for the pay-per-view, you see the spot, you think the spot is amazing, and then it's like, oh, you see it there again. I didn't have to pay for the pay-per-view. Look, I get to see it for free. Slick is saying that Alberto Del Rio versus John Cena is a bullshit match. I I listen. I'll tell you I'll tell you guys why I disagree with this match. I mean, I disagree with what Slick is saying. Daniel Bryan is red hot right now in a program against the authority of Vince McMahon, well, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, and, you know, everybody else. Now, here's here's the kicker with that. You don't want to derail Daniel Bryan's momentum fighting the McMahons to throw him back into a match with John Cena. But in John Cena's case, I got to get into why he came back quicker than was anticipated. But in John Cena's case, if he gets back into the title picture, it's going to it's going to it's going to just destroy everything. In Del Rio's case, no Rob Van Dam. He was supposed to feud with Christian. Christian is hurt. So I'd rather he feud with John Cena because Del Rio needs something. He needs something to validate him having this belt. Let's think about it. Think about all the guys that could challenge for a belt on Raw. And then think about all the legitimate guys that could challenge for a belt on SmackDown. This is the Raw list. This is the SmackDown list. Like I said, Sandow can cash in. He's one guy. You could possibly start moving Cody up. Yeah. But SmackDown doesn't have the wealth of talent to push that. Doesn't. See, Morta says Alberto Del Rio and Cody Rhodes with Cody winning. I'd like to see that in about six months. Because I think Cody's starting to hit his stride now. Like I said, he had his breakout moment with Goldust. But I think you can do more storytelling with them together feuding against the authority. Now, in in Cena's case, him coming back gives Del Rio a worthy challenger, some decent some decent storytelling and above all else keeps John Cena away from the belt on the raw side. And quite frankly, in SmackDown's case, if John Cena wins, the advertising revenue that will be generated from him being champion Because they'll just build that like, oh, see John Cena on WWE SmackDown Friday night. That'll that'll get people to tune in. And let's be let's be real. The brand split is is nothing. The brand split is nothing. So, you know, Cena is going to show up on on Raw anyway. You know, it's that's that's fact. You know, for a fact, Cena is going to show up on Raw, even if he's on SmackDown as their champion. So. You know, everybody that bitches, oh, John Cena, he's only going to be on SmackDown. No, he's not. He's not. Wake up. 
Not happening. John Cena will be on Raw if he beats Del Rio or if he doesn't. He will. It's just a fact. Now, Slick says, I would prefer that whoever wins in Alberto Del Rio versus Cena gets pinned by Sandow and then Cody goes after Sandow. See that? I could I could live with that. I can live with that level of storytelling. I could live with that. You know, yeah, the brand split was good, but let's let's be realistic. It doesn't even exist now. You got two GMs, but the brand split is just meh. You know? Mortis wants Cody to be champion so badly. You know, I think Slick Slick makes the the more valid point. Sandow and Cody never really resolved that beef. That see that that makes sense. But like I said, I kind of need Cody in that Gold Dust program for now. I think you can you could come back to the Sandow Cody beef once things kind of start hitting their stride. But right now, eh, you know. Now. To I, I got to reference what, what Mortis says in the chat. Mortis was saying, I never liked the brand split. Here's my thing. The brand split I liked when it was legitimately recognized as, as two separate entities. But the problem was that it was never really 100% recognized that way. Everybody always saw Raw as the A show, SmackDown as the B show. WWE champion, A champion, World Heavyweight champion, B champion. And that is where the brand split lost its luster. Even to the point where they doctored up the um, the draft to give Raw the deepest roster. And and that's, that's a problem for me. Because think about it. SmackDown is taped. Raw is live. But I feel that the roster should have benefited. Like, John Cena should have done a, a, a couple of months on SmackDown. See, the, the, you know, the split is better when they are separate and occasionally met like once every four months. See, that that's what I'm saying. Like, that was when it was being recognized. But the only problem I had with the split was that there was never the, the, the recognition of them being equal. It was always Raw, SmackDown. And that's where the problem comes from. The problem isn't the split itself. The problem is the fact that these guys never really recognized SmackDown on a level playing field. Like, I used to like ECW on Sci-Fi, even though it was ECW Lite, because it was recognized as a separate entity. You rarely saw the ECW guys on Raw. You would see them on occasion, but you didn't see them on the regular, like you do with SmackDown. Like, ECW was being catered to as its own entity. Now, here's where the ECW thing could have been salvaged. By letting Heyman run ECW. Raw has their GM. SmackDown has their GM. ECW has their GM, which would have been Paul Heyman. I guarantee you, if Paul Heyman would have overseen creative on the ECW side of things for sci-fi, it would have been a better product. The problem with ECW Lite wasn't just the fact that they were they 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 spit on the legacy of the of the original ECW. The problem with ECW Lite was that it had no direction. It started off very strong and then it just it just sputtered to a halt. You know shit is bad when you end ECW with Ezekiel Jackson as your champion and where the fuck is he now? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Anyone? Exactly. That's ex- think about it. Ezekiel Jackson closed down ECW as their champion. 
Ezekiel Jackson. I'm no. You know, it, 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 thank you. He is injured. I, I had no idea he was even injured because I totally forgot he existed. Slick says if Heyman controlled ECW on sci-fi, it would still be around. Yes, I agree. I think Heyman, I, if, if I would have been Vince McMahon, I would have been like, listen, Paul, you're going to run ECW. You're going to run. You're going to work with Triple H and, you know, or you're going to work with me or whatever. And we're going to create this offshoot. It's going to be its own brand. The guys aren't going to show up on Raw. They might occasionally show up on, on SmackDown, but not really. And because it's taped on the same day, but nothing more than that. And that's where I feel ECW could have shined. Think about it. Think about all the guys you had in ECW that were passable. You had, um, you had, the, you know, D'Angelo De Niro. You had CM Punk. You had John Morrison. You had Christian. You had... Mark Henry, you had the big show, you know, it was, it was, it was working out so well with ECW that you genuinely felt that those guys belong Matt Hardy. Like, like that's what I felt worked with ECW, you know, it's happening. Yeah, it is happening with NXT. I'm I'm sure uh, 3269 is Jay. It's happening with NXT, but think about what's happening with NXT. NXT is, is good, but it's only good because there's somebody with a creative mindset handling it. Like Triple H, NXT is Triple H's baby. He's not going to let it fail. So ECW is Paul Heyman's baby. Do you think that if Vince McMahon said, Paul, I need you to run this, we need to get a 1.0 to a 2.0 every week in ratings, that you're going to make, you know, I need you to make this happen. Do you not think Paul Heyman would bust his ass to make sure ECW had higher ratings than at least SmackDown? You don't think Paul Heyman wouldn't compete with himself, with WWE, to ensure ECW's survival, to ensure that we would talk about ECW for the foreseeable future? I think he would have. I think Paul Heyman would have fucking bled to make sure that if he had creative control of ECW, that it was the best ECW. Think about when Paul Heyman ran SmackDown with the SmackDown 6, and we had some of the most phenomenal television. The most phenomenal television. It was amazing. I think Paul Heyman would have done amazing work with ECW. And and Jay, Jay says in the chat, I think WWE hits the panic button too quick when it comes to ratings. Yes. But there's 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 a there's a right and a wrong for that. They do hit the panic button, but you know what it is? They are generating a fuckload of money for these networks. And I'm sure that in NBC's case, NBC's like, listen, you guys pulled a 3.2. You know, it, it not good. Like I think that the thing with the ratings is a give and take. I think Vince worries about it when it's USA and when it's uh, sci-fi. But when East, when when SmackDown was on UPN, I just feel that he didn't give a fuck. He was just like, meh, whatever, it'll be all right. It's UPN, fuck them, you know. That's that's how I that's how I see it. That's that's just fact. SmackDown SmackDown when it was on UPN was probably looked at as a fucking placeholder. When you have networks like NBC breathing down your neck, I can understand certain certain things that have to be done for the quote-unquote best for business. But 
realistically, Vince McMahon owns every fucking channel wrestling is on. Like, USA loves WWE. Loves them. Because think about it, they're a great lead-in. People tune in to watch, you know, repeats of Law & Order. If they throw on a new show after Raw for people to tune in, the audience carries over. It's the same thing when they were doing Spike TV and Bellator. You know, they want uh, Spike TV and Bellator with uh, Impact. Impact, the, the, the audience carried over into Bellator. Where Impact got it wrong was that they wanted to have MMA in TNA and then have it carry over to Bellator, which was stupid. One could have acknowledged the other without too much of, a, of an overlap. You know? And it's true, WWE owns that Monday night slot. Slick is right. It's true, they own it. They own it. Think about this. WWE competes with Monday Night Football. And there are times when Monday Night Football and Raw's ratings are decently close. Think about that. Especially during the during, you know, the, the Attitude Era. Think about the ratings during the Attitude Era with Raw and Monday Night Football. There were instances when Raw was, was on point. Yeah, it, it doesn't. WWE says it does, but it doesn't. Depending on the game, sometimes they don't even touch them. They don't even touch them. If it's a serious game with two badass teams, it doesn't happen. Like, WWE likes to put out that blurb like, oh, we're the number one show amongst this and this and this, or we beat this and this and this, Source Nielsen. Yeah, but you know what it is? They're factoring in, you know, DVR numbers, all that shit, but there are instances where... They, they get killed. They get killed on the Monday night games. And that's why the Raw overrun, they have to do something huge. Because they know that as the Monday night game ends, people are going to tune into Raw and see the overrun. Like, that's that's something that's, that, that, you know, WWE does very, very well. They know how to leverage the overrun to where they really can make themselves look competitive. So, I went on a whole tangent before going into um, Cody Rhodes and Goldust and Daniel Bryan taking on The Shield, which was amazing, super amazing. Of course, it ended with shenanigans, but it was so chaotic in a good way that it really was a great ending. And of course, Triple H comes out, Big Show comes out, and then Big Show proceeds to detonate his fist on Triple H's face, which can be pretty much summed up with, You got knocked the fuck out, man! That's that's pretty much it. That was Triple H. Triple H's nose is still orbiting planet Earth because he got he got put to sleep by the big show. But you know what worked for that? Triple H sold it like he got shot. He was just like It was just like he's dead. You'll never see him again. It was it was so fantastic the way he sold it, but that's just a testament to Triple H the wrestler. But that's you know it was it, <laughs> there you go slick said it. he was sprawled the fuck out it was it was good it was it was really 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 good the ending because that's what i'm saying you see how the big show came out and he was the equalizer and everybody was like yeah that was a great ending it felt good yes because it was raw now think about the same logic you guys just used for this and apply it to to a pay-per-view apply it to something you just paid for and tell me you wouldn't feel the same way If, if, if me drinking this comes out in the mic, I apologize. But it's true. It's like, everybody's like, yeah, that was a great ending. It was fantastic. 
But it was the same ending, you know, that happened the night before that you paid $60 for. I'm just putting that out there. I'm not I'm not saying it because I want to incite any arguments or I want to piss you guys off, but think about it. You guys are super pumped. Yeah, the ending for Raw was fucking awesome. But you got the same ending the night before. See? Slick says, previous night, that ending would have sucked. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about from paying paying money to not paying money and, and, and how you feel about it. Like I said, I didn't pay for the shit. So I'm doing my due diligence for the show. But I'm talking about it from the standpoint of paying. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Monday night, that ending, fantastic. Sunday night, that ending, people chanting, we want our money back. All right, so... Let's get into the other wrestling news because there's there's quite a bit to discuss with regards to some of the other stuff going on. So, first off, with John Cena coming back early from injury, everybody's like, oh man, they brought him back too soon. They were scared, blah, blah, blah. According to what's been said, WWE overstated how injured John Cena was so that it would just make John Cena look better when he came back. John Cena's been cleared to wrestle for, for a while now. And they wanted to keep him off television for a couple of weeks. But Cena said, no, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. The reason that they did it was because they wanted to show that their superstars are, are larger than life, that they heal faster, that they come back stronger, that they come back better. And I understand that. I understand the way they did it. And I'll be, I'll be quite honest. I didn't see John Cena coming back at all. Not, you know, not, not until at least a rumble. That's, that's how it goes. See, they're, they're still trying to hide Cena's Wolverine healing ability. I think they're trying to hide John Cena's in, incredible use of, of hormones and other things to help accelerate his recovery. Let's not, let's not fucking kid ourselves. Listen, John Cena is an incredible athlete. Is he a hundred percent natural? I, I don't, I, I, I can't, I can't genuinely do this show. And tell you guys that John Cena is 100% naturally built the way he is. He probably has some help. Maybe a little HGH. You know, Cena on meds. No! But no, seriously. Um, think about it. You, you... I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna paint a, a picture for you guys. You guys tell me what you think. You work out, let's say, five days a week. In the five days a week that you work out, you do three days of weights, two days of cardio, and your rest days are Saturday and Sunday. You eat a modest diet, and you have you show a couple of abs. And then, you know, you clean up your diet, you get a six-pack, you're ready to rock and roll, right? Now, think about this. With being a wrestler, you're on the road... 200 to 300 days a year. You eat at Waffle House, Denny's, you eat on the road and rent a car in airports, you go to the gym here and there, and then you're on television. Think about this logically now. Now, with that said, that's not to say that these guys don't work hard, but they're not, like, you can tell 
a naturally built person from a somebody who has help. And the best contrast is let's look at Big E Langston. Big E Langston is a natural per is a natural athlete. So's Mark Henry. Because those guys they lift weights and your body resembles exactly what it's built for. Cena's case, he works out hard, but he stays lean year round. It's impossible to stay lean year round. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jay says that Biggie is the way he is because he's black. Okay, you could you could you could apply genetics because it's true. You can you can say that a lot of African Americans can get muscular faster or can can maintain size easier. It's a it's a legit assessment. It's it's not even racial. It's legit. It is legit. You can say that. But think about it. Think about John Cena, always cut, always ripped, and I'm sure maybe he takes a diuretic the day before. You know, maybe he takes a diuretic the day before to fl- to flush out any water to what you know, just so he can look more vascular on television. I've seen that. I know I know of a girl who used to inject fat burner into her stomach to look shredded. I know of this girl and people, people mentioned it to me like that. She injected herself in the stomach to, 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 to allow the, 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 the fat burner to work better. This is what I'm saying. I don't listen. You're paid to look like a superhero. It's your body. Do what you want. Don't try to sell me that the shit is natural. (laughs) <laughs> fuck out of here yes I agree with what Mortis said Mortis said Ahmed Johnson should come back and form a faction with Ezekiel Jackson and Big E Langston then feud with Bobby Lashley how about this Ezekiel Jackson Big E Langston and Bobby Lashley are a faction managed by Ahmed Johnson and Clarence Mason and we could call them or managed by Farouk Farouk will manage Ezekiel Jackson, Biggie Langston, and Bobby Lashley. And Ahmed Johnson will be like a co-manager. Oh, I gotta be, it'd be terrible. It would be probably one of the craziest factions ever of just massive dudes. Oh, come on. <laughs> Our very own Slick was recommended to manage that faction. I'm sure he would do a good job, that's for sure. Anyway, so... John Cena coming back, everybody's like, oh, WWE's panicking, and they want to bring him back. No, WWE's not panicking. It's not panic. It's just the fact that they know that the guy was ready. So why would they keep him off television when he's guaranteed to bring in money? Like, that's... Look, I understand that oh, everything everything has a... You know, there, there's a secret to everything, but the guy was ready to rock and roll. And that's what it was. He was ready to wrestle. And it is what it is. Simple as that. So, moving on. The um, the, the whole Drew McIntyre 3MB thing I mentioned last week. It's it's still on and off. They, they, they're really teasing him some weeks. Moving away from, the, from 3MB. Other weeks he's not. I could fucking care less. Anyway. So... As I was mentioning earlier, 
about the, the you know WWE stacking Hell in the Cell with good matches is because according to an article put out by the Wrestling Observer, they said that WWE is stacking the deck with big hype matches for Hell in the Cell because of the worry that they may have alienated the audience with the main events for the past two pay-per-views. Some fans demanded refunds over the fact that Daniel Bryan's win at the show was overturned the next night on Raw, and a refund chant kicked off at Battleground after the main event. The belief in the company is that they have lost their credibility in in delivering main events, and the fans feel that the product has been damaged. So, in in making Hell in the Cell such a a stacked card, they want to regain the audience's trust, and thus, you know, Shawn Michaels guaranteeing a new WWE champion. Now, here's a couple of things. While I can understand if you're not happy with a pay-per-view, calling up your cable company and demanding a refund because Daniel Bryan lost the next night doesn't make you a fan, it makes you a whiny bitch. Look, there's justifiable complaining... And then there's you being a whiny bitch. And, I, and this, is where, this is where it goes. Uh, uh, like last week when we were talking about GTA. People are way too, they're way too entitled. You know, way too fucking entitled. It makes you a fucking jerk job that, oh, Daniel Bryan fucking lost. I paid $60 for him to win yesterday. That was yesterday. Thank you, Slick. Your cable company has nothing to do with how WWE matches go. See, if you went to the arena and you didn't appreciate the product and you wanted a refund and you left halfway through, eh, might work. But think about it. WWE and the cable companies don't affect each other with the exception of ratings and revenue. They don't give a fuck that you didn't like that Daniel Bryan won or lost. That's some real pillow-assed, diaper-wearing bullshit. Seriously. let Think about it. Think about it. Oh, I'm not happy with the pay-per-view. I want my money back. You pay. Thank you. Val, Val took the words right out of my mouth. You paid to see the show. You didn't get to say... You didn't get a say in the outcome. Bingo. That's ex- exactly... Jay throws in Ted Turner owes me money for shitty WCW pay-per-views it's true if that were the case I should be getting my money back for WCW sold out um hog wild uh, road wild um the finger poke of doom I could run down a list of shitty fucking matches shitty matches giant Gonzalez versus the undertaker Where's my check for that shitty match? Where is it? Oh, that you I'm not entitled to it. What a shame. That's that's what that's what frustrates me. Like if you're upset about about a pay-per-view, be upset because there was a blackout or because you lost your signal or because you know it, it just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Slick says, if I pick up the phone tomorrow and my customer wants credit for Battleground, I'll be like, do you, a- do you ask for money off of your mortgage because it rained last Friday and you had to stay home? Fuck out of here. It's true. Think about that. Think, think about the fact that you get upset about certain things 
that you feel you're entitled to get your money back. You know when you get upset and you ask for your money back? When you go to a movie and you can't enjoy the movie because fucking kids are pieces of shit. You could do that. You can do that when you go to a restaurant and you weren't happy with your meal. Again, tangible things. Things that the, 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 air, the, the line of complaining is this. Or the movie is overbooked. Thank you, Val. But it's true. If there was a blackout and you couldn't watch the rest of the card, that makes a point. Hell, here's a great example. When Slick was, was by my house a couple of months back, we were going to watch a UFC pay-per-view. Slick remembers we were supposed to stream the pay-per-view on Xbox and it wasn't working. The service crashed. Completely crashed. Everybody complained. We all complained. We got the next UFC pay-per-view free. That was it. And, you know, freezing. It it was terrible. And and they gave us a free pay-per-view. And that was it. But what I'm saying is, legitimately picking up the phone and being like, hello, I'd like a credit on my bill. Oh, what seems to be the problem? Well, I ordered the pay-per-view yesterday and I was super upset that Daniel Bryan lost. I don't understand. I paid and I really, really was looking forward to seeing WWE crown a new champion, the, the, the goat face killer, Daniel Bryan. The first thing would be like, are you fucking serious? You know, like, like that was it. <laughs> you know, like, like that. I'd the rep would say like that would have to. They, the rep would have to censor themselves. They would have to censor themselves. It's <laughs> come on. It's, I can't legitimately view that gripe in a favorable fashion. Like I said, if the pay per view went down, or or, you know, the match blacked out, or the arena caught on fire, or the shield shut off all the lights in the arena, then sure. But because you didn't like that the guy won, and then the worst part isn't only the fact that this is happening, it's also the fact that WWE is legitimately acknowledging this shit. Uh, Again, according to, to the Wrestling Observer. If I ran a company, and you paid to watch a match, and you didn't like the outcome... Fuck you. What do you want me to do? It's like Dana White. If, if, if people wanted Alexander Gustafson to beat John Jones and they paid and Gustafson didn't win, are you going to ask Dana White that the UFC should give you your money back because Gustafson didn't win? Are you serious? It's, it's insane. And, and to go with what Morta says, Morta says, I love the people who complain and say that the WWE has sucked for the last 10 years, yet still watch every episode and buy every pay-per-view. You know who those people are? Those are the same people that go into message boards and you can write something perfectly on point and they'll be like, you forgot to capitalize the T in the. Th- those motherfuckers. Or the guy who will find the most obscure thing in a movie. And be like, that movie fucking sucked. You know, I've had a couple of, uh, of people like that We when we talk about The Dark Knight Rises. And they're like, you know, The Dark Knight Rises was bullshit because when Bruce Wayne came out of the prison, how did he get back to Gotham City? And I'm like, oh my god, it's a fucking movie. Fuck you. Who cares how he got back? Walks to the airport, whips out his dick. 
says I'm Bruce Wayne. I need to get the fuck home. Come on. Stupid. You know, it's, it's, it's stupid to me that that's what people hone in on. Don't get me wrong. I focus on a lot of shit too, but that's just because I've been, I've been programmed from film class and ruined by film class to look for certain things in movies that just ruin my experience on occasion. And sometimes I gotta, I gotta force my brain to shut off. But think about it. Think about the fact that you go, you sit down, you watch a movie, or you turn on your TV and you watch a pay-per-view. It's not gonna be a great 100% of the time. If you told me, hey, people were mad because they're paying for these pay-per-views and they're not getting finishes. That makes sense. Being mad, just being mad. But when you're telling me that people are calling for refunds, you know, get get out of here. Get out of here. But seriously, like I've had people complain because they didn't they didn't like that Batman magically ended up in Gotham City or Batman has his spine put back together by getting getting some shiatsu from a guy in a prison cell. Who fucking cares? You didn't like it. If you say, hey, I didn't like The Dark Knight, I just didn't like a lot of the things in the movie, I'd be like, all right, cool, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. You're entitled. Hey, I didn't like The Dark Knight because I felt that, you know, Tom Hardy sucked. All right, great. But if you're telling me I didn't like The Dark Knight because Batman didn't tell, you know, the, the Nolan didn't tell us how Bruce Wayne got the fuck home... You're a fucking idiot. That's it. He caught a cab. He hitchhiked. He get, he get, he rode a camel. What the fuck, man? Like like shit like that it it bugs me because it's like that's the wrong thing to focus on. You know? It, and this is what they say. I'm like, "Oh, well, why didn't you like it?" Ah, cuz it is and this and this. All right. I remember when when the set when when the Dark Knight came out, and one guy who used to work in my office, his name was, I'm just going to say his name was John B, not to throw him under the bus. He used to work with me in my uh, Garden City office. Dark Knight came out. He was like, yeah, man, you know, Dark Knight wasn't all that. Oh, why? Oh, well, you know, they never really told how the Joker got the scars on his face. Are you fucking kidding me? That was my response. Are you kidding me? What, who cares? Who cares how we got him? Who gives a fuck? I don't know, man, but I thought that that was a big plot hole. That's not the Joker. You know, it just it's not the Joker that we're used to. It's not the Joker we're used to. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. It's not the Joker we were used to. Yeah, they never really elaborated on why he got the scars on his face. And I just felt that, that was a gaping plot hole. You know what's a gaping hole? Anything you see late night on one of those really, really shady websites. Get out of here. You're, you're killing me. You're killing me. The Joker sucked a fart out of someone's ass and the backlash burned his face. Sorry. I don't know. Oh, the Joker was cutting some cheese on a deli slicer and he leaned too close. I don't fucking know. Really? But 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 I kid you not. This was the reasoning that I got 
why he didn't like it. I was, I was like, I was like, but, but John B, you know, man, I, I, I mean, that movie was amazing. Heath Ledger died making that movie. Well, he could have, he could have at least told us how he got the scars on his face before he died. I mean, he was being a dick, but seriously, it's like, yo, come on. Really? Like, that's what you hone in on? That. Like, if you told me, hey, Transformers, the last, tra- the, the, the second to last Transformers sucked. And because, you know, we had the Negro bots and Devastator had balls. Okay. You're entitled not to like that. Hey, why didn't you like that Transformers movie? Oh, too much slow shit. And the spinning camera and shit. Okay, you don't like that. Hey, I didn't like uh, Star Trek because J.J. Abrams used too much lens flare. Alright. A kind of shallow description, but yo, there are legit people that complain about J.J. Abrams' use of lens flare to the point where the guy had to actually issue an apology for it. You know, like, this is the these are the things that happen, and this is what I'm saying, like, partially to blame is the internet. The internet is to blame. Because it gives everybody, it gives way too many people a voice that shouldn't have one. I kid you not. Gives way too many people a voice that shouldn't have one. Like, Mark Anthony singing at a sporting event. I don't understand why they're letting this wetback sing the national anthem because he's not from America. And I'm like, Mark Anthony's Puerto Rican. And he's probably more American than you. But this is the this is what I'm saying. Like these are the voices. This is what's out there. This is the voice of your public, your people. You know? It's like it's like, yo, come on. I don't I don't understand why you let this guy you know you let this guy, this wetback, sing our national anthem. Here's a here's another one. There was a little boy, I think he was from American Idol. He might have been from American Idol. And he sang the national anthem. Little boy, probably no younger than 12. Oh, I can't believe they got this Mexican singing our national anthem. Fucking Mexicans taking all our jobs. And I'm like, really? And there was, it was, it was the, the story was printed on Mashable. And I kid you guys not. They had five tweets, five pages of tweets of people writing this stuff. And I'm saying to myself, these are the same people that bitch about, you know, movies and do these things because the internet gives everyone a voice. And again, I don't, I don't want to take the rights away from, you know, people like Jay or Val or Mortis or Andrew Zarian or Suncast or anybody else. But I just want to look at these people through a microscope, and figure out how the fuck they work, how they have survived. Because, like I said, and I, and I said this a couple of months back when somebody was talking some really slick racial shit, I said, the person was like, you know, they should close the borders because these guys come over and they take all our jobs. My response to that person was, do you cut your own grass? No, I hire a gardener. Oh, you hire a gardener. Per, by, by any chance, is your gardener white? Oh, yeah, 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 he's white. Really? So your gardener's white. 
does he come with a with uh, with helpers? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes with a couple of guys every morning, every, you know, once every week, and and cleans my lawn. Right. And does the white guy do any work? Ah, he doesn't. And that, my friends, lies the problem. Anybody who talks about borders and immigrants stealing our jobs and all this shit, listen. If you're not 100% Native American, 100%, like if you're not a person who gets a check from the government for for being in this country, for, from, from your country being stolen from you, shut the fuck up. Shut up. Simple as that. Shut your face. You, you, you're, you're not, I'm American. Oh, you're American. You're American. So are you part Cherokee or Blackfoot or Iroquois or uh, no? Oh, no, you're not. Oh, so where are you from? Well, my uncle's from Poland and my, my great, great, great grandfather is from Czechoslovakia. Oh, from Czechoslovakia. So, and you're American, you say. (laughs) and this is what i'm talking about like whenever some whenever you want to end an argument about people talking about immigrants or or people coming across the border or taking our jobs i just say do you cut your own grass you cut your own grass who cleans the offices in your building is it white people and i and i and i'm not even calling out white people because puerto ricans and I've said this, and, and Jay's laughed about it. We're racist motherfuckers too. So, it, but but what I'm saying is these people, and I'm and I'm and I'm jumping into the race debate because these people that utilize these same one-dimensional arguments are the same people that'll call to complain about shit. And Slick is right. Black people are racist too. We're all racist. Black people are racist against other black people. When I worked in my old office, I had a girl who didn't like another girl that she worked with because she was light-skinned. Oh, she thinks she all that with her good hair and her light skin. Holy shit. But, but, but you're black. So? She light-skinned. She's light-skinned. And I don't like her because she has good hair. If you guys ever get a chance, watch the Chris Rock documentary about good hair. And your 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 brain will fall out of its skull. Your brain <laughs> your brain will fall out of its skull. But but seriously, like like people people go into these these things, these entitled things, and like I said, I jumped on the race thing because those same people are the same people that would call and complain. Or or hey, I don't want you teaching my kid about the Indians. Oh, you don't want your kid learning about the Indians. Why is that? Oh, because that's not really important in terms of getting a job. Oh, it's not important in terms of getting a job. Were you born in this country? Oh, you weren't. Ah, so this gives you what exactly? Oh, well, I pay taxes. Oh, you pay taxes. That's what you do. You pay taxes, right? To, to, you know, it's, this sums it up perfectly. This gives you power over me? Exactly. Seriously, this is where we are. Just because you have a computer and a Twitter and Facebook and a keyboard and all this shit 
No one wants to hear what you got to say. No one cares. No one gives a fuck. Seriously. You go on Twitter. Hey, I took a shit today. Five people retweet it. Okay, great. Five people cared that I took a shit today. But seriously, no one cares. You know what the best is? You go on Facebook. Oh, my cat died. Three or four people who go, oh, I'm sorry your cat died. 27 people who hit like. And then you got to just question yourself like, fuck, did they hit like because they're glad my cat died or because they're empathizing with my with my sadness like that, that, you know, like, like, like really deep shit like that. Like nobody understands the fact that, yes, the world is your oyster. Everything is accessible because of the Internet. But at the end of the day, no one cares. You know, what we all are a bunch of monkeys in a cage throwing shit at a wall. That's it. 27 dog people like your cat's status about your cat's death. Pretty much. But that's what I mean. Like, 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 you know, people we're we're so open. We're so share centric, but we're never prepared for the fact that no one wants to hear our shit. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And yes, yes, Jay, we were talking about wrestling and it just spiraled into, into life talk. So let's get back on track. Last bit of wrestling news to round things out. It was recently mentioned that Michael Hayes, who you guys know as Freebird Michael Hayes or Michael P.S. Hayes, was uh, taken off the road. He was taken off the road. So everybody's like, oh, Michael Hayes has stepped stepped out. So WWE said that he stepped away for personal issues. Turns out, according to Court Bauer from the Bauer and Pollock podcast, that he was sent home because he offered Rosa Mendez alcohol. Now, for those of you that don't know, Rosa Mendez was sent to rehab last year because of some issues she had with alcohol. So Michael Hayes was like, yo, what's up, Ma? You want a Corona? What? What the fuck? So Michael Hayes got sent home. I have a feeling Michael Hayes will probably get the can because that's huge. Think about it. You're, you're a large company whose athletes have died from substance abuse, uh, committing homicide and suicide and steroid use. And then when you're trying to treat said athletes, one of your own executives is enabling another another athlete. Like, it's, it's crazy. But you know what? Michael Hayes was the same guy that said some shit to Mark Henry. That's when you knew shit was a problem. You knew when he when he said what he said to Mark Henry about him being black, you right then you should have just been like, yo, we're done. We're done with you. We're done. Obviously, Mark Henry got a got a lifetime contract out of the deal. Let's not kid ourselves. But you're offering a recovering alcoholic alcohol. And she, and and Rosa Mendez, when she was wasted, made a complete asshole out of herself. Um, Mortis, what did Michael Hayes say about Mark Henry? I think it was something about, yo, you're big and black or something, something about him being black in a, in a super racial sort of way. Or I think he called him a boy. He called him boy. Like, come here, boy. Or something like something, something along. It's pro. if you look it up, it's probably, um, (laughs) slick asked if it involved chicken. No, no, it did not. But, um, it's, it's, it's out there. There's different stories about it, but. 
pretty much it was basically something along the lines of him being overly racial with Mark Henry. That's as far as I know. Now, with regards to Rosa Mendez, look, Rosa Mendez isn't the, the best wrestler, but WWE has gone above and beyond to ensure that their athletes aren't, you know, that they're getting their athletes all the help they deserve. So imagine you, you pay for this lady's rehab, she's on the mend, and then all of a sudden you're like, yo, how about a beer? Are you crazy? Fuck, I'd fire you. That's fucking... Cr- Holy shit. If that's true, you know, because Court Bauer used to work for WWE, he used to write for them. If that's true, you gotta, you gotta fire him. You gotta fire him. You can't just suspend him. You can't. You can't suspend him. It's impossible. Because he is jeopardizing the health and well-being of your athletes. Simple as that. It's like the trainers that were that are on that were listed for giving steroids to baseball players that were banned from the locker rooms. They may have not been found guilty or they may have, but they were like, "Yo, you can't come back in the locker room." Michael Hayes shouldn't be in the locker room. Period. That's it. You want to keep him on the DL shuffling papers and shit? Great. But otherwise get the fuck out of here cuz that's insanity if that's legit. Again, you know, I'm I'm going via what was stated by Court Bauer and his Bauer and Pollock podcast, and you know, WrestleZone published it as well. But if that is true, it's it's insane. WWE just said that you know Michael Hayes is is, is dealing with personal issues. <sighs> sad, sad state of affairs, Michael Hayes. You've been a bad, bad boy. All right, so that's gonna wrap up the wrestling for this week. Let's get into some video games, shall we? So, let's get the ball rolling with this interesting nugget of information. According to the International Data Corporation, who shared their findings with GameSpot, they estimate that the PlayStation 4 is going to outsell... The Xbox One at release due to a variety of factors, but mostly due to the price point. First of all, can I get a job with their international data corporation? Can they hire me? Because I could have fucking told you that. Oh, PlayStation 4 is going to outsell Xbox One because it's cheaper. Duh. Hello. That's a fucking obvious statement. The PlayStation 4 will sell for $400 and the Xbox One will be $500 at launch. The IDC report concludes that the number of game game consoles shipped worldwide in 2013 will be marginally higher than the 33 million in 2012. This brings a halt to a four-year slide that that began in 2009. The research group has also gone on record stating that there will be a ton of revenue from prepaid full games, micro games, and add-ons on Xbox Live, PSN, and eShop that will exceed the sales of worldwide PC titles. So, let's let's talk about that. You're saying, let's let stay with me now, folks. This is this is hardcore science at work. You're saying you conducted data, you conducted information, and the data that you collected states that the console that's cheaper is going to sell more 
than the console that's $100 more. Holy shit. That's amazing. Did you guys come up with that all yourselves? What algorithm did you use? How did you figure that out? Oh my god, it's fucking amazing. What a breakthrough. Get the fuck out of here. Listen. When you're looking at at numbers for consoles, I want to be I want to give you guys the easiest way to look at this. You have total. Both systems come out roughly a a week or two apart, depending on what part of the world you're in. They each have a, a decent launch lineup. So, here's what it boils down to. You either buy one now, buy the other later, or buy them both at the same time. When the numbers are tallied in January, excuse me, when you, ta- when you tally the numbers in January, you got to ask yourselves, who sold more for the holidays? Because think about it, whoever, whoever has a shortage of systems is going to lose. That's it. It's not price. It's not launch lineup. It's only the biggest factor, the elephant in the room. If you don't make enough consoles to to satisfy supply, you're not going to win the console wars for the holidays. That's it. Everybody's like, but PlayStation 4 has better games. But Xbox One has Call of Duty. No. This is what it boils down to. Who strikes first? Who has... Systems and stores every day, every week, up until the holidays. That's it. That's all it boils down to. It's all about who strikes first. Period. Thank you, Strider. It's a battle of attrition. That's it. Everybody's like, yo, PlayStation's gonna wipe the floor with Xbox. No, the fuck they're not. Do you work for Microsoft? Do you know Major Nelson? Do you know Bill Gates? Is Steve Ballmer in your phone on speed dial? Oh, none of that. Then what the fuck do you know? Listen, I'm not a journalist. I am an opinionated pundit, if you want to call it that. Uh, um, a well-informed douchebag, if you will. You know what I'm saying? This is how I see it. You buy one system or the other. Each system comes with no games. No games, no games... No games whatsoever, which means you got to buy one game and hope for the best. Maybe you buy two. That's it. You know, I like that, Jay. I'm not a journalist, but I play one on TV. Very true. Seriously, you buy your Xbox One. You spend your $500. You get your $60 game. That's $560 plus tax. Probably almost $600 if you factor in an accessory or something else. PlayStation 4, 400 bucks. Buy a game, 460. Factor in tax, almost $500. $100 difference, negligible. Really is. At the end of the day, if if Sony sends, you know, 2 million systems into the field and Microsoft sends out 3.5 million systems and Sony can't meet up the demand, 
then gee, who's going to have the the larger volume of sales? It's bullshit. Thank you, Val. Console wars are bullshit. People say to me, Rich, which are you going to buy? I'm going to buy the one I can get first. That's it. If it's the PlayStation 4, I get the PlayStation 4. If it's the Xbox One, I get the Xbox One. I got to get them. It's part of my job. But let's be let's be realistic. Slick, myself, um, probably most of the people in the chat are going to buy them both at some point. Period. We're all going to buy them at some point. We're all going to buy them. We're all going to have both consoles in some capacity. I'm sorry. But I know guys that have said, no, man, I'm not going to buy an Xbox. And they have a PlayStation 3, and they bought a 360 when they lowered the price low enough to where they can get it. You know? That's it. That's that's what that's what gets me. People are like, oh, well, you know, I'm only going to pick up... Listen. When the demand rises and the price drops, you're going to buy one. I'll be honest, if the Wii U was 100 bucks or $150, I'd buy it. I would. 300 400 bucks, eh, still a bit of a stretch. But, you know, 100 150 200, you know, 100 150 bucks, it's fine. It's the same thing with tablets. Same rules apply. You buy a $400 tablet or you buy a $100 tablet. You get out of it what you put into it. Same thing with the consoles. If you want to have this whole big home theater experience, you're going to pick up an Xbox One. It's just going to happen. If you want a more game-centric experience and you want to kind of be be first out of the gate, you're going to pick up a, P- a PS4. That's it. These are the facts. People sit there and they will they will argue till they're blue in the face that one or the uh, that Sony's going to beat Xbox or Xbox is going to beat Sony. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is you win. The, the 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 customer. As long as the customer can get a console, I don't really care. That's why like everybody's hedging their bets and doing all this research and it's like it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Think about it. 500 on one end. 400 on the other. Does it matter? Not really. Not in the least. I'm sorry, but it, it doesn't. I, I personally disagree with the statement that being cheaper means you're going to sell more. Because at the end of the day, supply and demand is what is king. If you cannot meet the demand, then you're going to lose. Price will mean nothing. That $100, negligible. People are like, yeah, but it's $100 cheaper. It's negligible. That $100 difference goes out the window when you got to buy a game or an extra controller. or it, it means nothing. That's it. And it's true, Val brings up a valid point. When the Wii destroyed both the PS3 and the Xbox, it, it was it was leading for, for a couple of reasons. It had a couple of good games out, and it was cheaper, and it was readily available. And the Wii hit its stride the most during the holidays. 
when you couldn't bag a PS3 or an Xbox 360, good old Wii was there. Let me pick this up. Because you know what? A lot of parents just aren't informed. Your kid says, oh, I want to buy a PlayStation. To that parent, everything is a PlayStation. Everything. Xbox is PlayStation. Nintendo is PlayStation. Oh, my son wants a PlayStation. How much is it? Oh, $400. I thought the PlayStation was 200 No, that's the Wii. Okay, I'll just get that. I've seen it happen numerous times. Numerous times. Oh, you know, the system is X. Okay. No problem. It's happened, but... Here's, here's, what, here's how I see this, and this is how it's going to pan out. Microsoft is probably going to over-deliver and have a lot of consoles. I think Sony is going to shortchange themselves, and they're going to meet all their pre-orders, but not have enough, of a, not have enough systems in stores. I think that the first two weeks is everybody getting pre-orders and then the week of the week that the that the Xbox 1 comes out Sony's going to try and do a big push to get systems in stores to to compete against Microsoft and Microsoft's just going to run away with it in November. Now in December, that's where the real fun begins because think about it. Once you get past Black Friday, it's holiday time. And you're out there when you're shopping, you're trying to avoid spending more than an hour or two in a mall period slick can attest to this he knows what holiday shopping is like he's done it Uh, you know we've done shit together we've gone out there together into the trenches he knows what the deal is we all do you don't want to be out there you know val value you might be right sony runs out for black friday i can see that happening I think Sony's going to come in riding this huge wave of pre-orders and then they're going to be like, how many do we have left? Oh, X, fuck. And that's going to be it. There's going to be a huge scramble and that'll be that. And that's where I see, that's where I see this coming in. It's not about pricing. It's not. Pricing means nothing. Everybody that complained about pricing a couple of months back, it, it pricing means absolutely fucking donut means nothing so for those of you that want to get your ps4 and don't have a pre-order you better pray to whatever gods you worship that you can find a way to get into a store and get one because guess what's going to happen you're not going to be able to get one xbox one forget it xbox one is probably going to come out swinging out of the gate and you'll probably be able to catch one the following week if you know a guy I think that's how I got my PS2. Like, I knew a guy at a store. He was like, dude, we're going to get like 10 of them tomorrow morning. He, he sent me a text. He's like, yo, we're going to get like 10 of them tomorrow morning. Come through and pick one up. All right. Done. No, not for a PS2. PS3, sorry. He was like, he worked in, in Circuit City. I bought my PS3 at Circuit City. And he sent me a text. He was like, dude, tomorrow morning we got a truck coming in. And we're gonna get um we're gonna get ten of them. Ten. Ten systems. I remember I bought it a couple I think two weeks after it came out. He was like, yo, you gotta get in there. Yep, see, Circuit City. You gotta get in there in the morning when we open up and I'll and I'll get I'll get you one. But you gotta be here when we open. So before I went to the office, I drove in, 
Circuit City opened up. I saw the guy, and they had not even 10. I said, yo, I thought you were getting 10. He was like, dude, I thought so too. The inventory said 10. We got six. They had six at the time. So that's what I'm saying. Like, this is what's going to happen with these consoles. Whoever, whichever console you're going to have to call a guy or buy it from a mom and pop in like some stupid bundle, good luck. Because I I know a lot of people know that as well. You buy the shit from a mom and pop, it's like, oh, how much is the Xbox One? Oh, it's $700. Why so much? Well, you get two controllers made by like Nikeo. You get some two shitty games, a, a stand, um, a, a gel skin for your controller, a cover, and a poster for $700. You guys have, have, have had to have seen that in mom and pop stores. It's like, yo, you, you <laughs> Slick says, and a dildo. <laughs> oh shit but it's true it's like think about it you go to a mom and pop store they'll have them but are you paying regular no you're not happening regular price in a mom and pop hell no they probably have to pay off like three different vendors just to get a system not happening yes jay jay said arab retailers do that shit (laughs) I'm not even I'm not even going to generalize from a racial standpoint but a lot of retailers do that. I know I know there's a store and I think Slick knows this store in Gertz Plaza Mall on Jamaica Avenue here in Queens in New York City. The the big video game store when you walk into Gertz, they are notorious for the bundle. Oh, Slick's answer is a big ug in in caps in the chat room. You know, you go in, you go into Gertz and, and and you'd go into the game store and I'd be like, yo, I need to buy this game. And the guy'd be like, well, I'm only selling it with the strategy guide. Oh, how much is it with the strategy guide? Oh, $72. What? <laughs> That's how it was. That is exactly how it was. Those mom and pop shops would, would beat you over the head. Oh, good. They are gone. They fucking deserve it. They were crooks. Uh, they'd break street date, which was good, but they were crooks. Seriously, it was, it was insane. It was insane. The bundles and it's still going to happen. You know who does it now? Not as, not as blatant, but Best Buy is good for that. You walk in, you buy a PS3 and they make sure to wrap it in the big plastic rope with a, with a controller and a memory card and some other useless shit you don't need. And it's like, Oh, buy this bundle. It's $346. (laughs) That's, that's how it works. My friends. The console wars will be decided by what's available, not by not by a hundred dollar price difference. Sorry, but no. In some news that should surprise nobody, they are releasing an ultimate edition of Injustice Gods Among Us. Big fucking shocker. Not only for the PS Vita, but also for the other consoles, and it will be out November 12th. So there you go. You go, you buy this game at $60, you spend 20 on the season pass, that's 80 then you wait a couple of months, oh look, Ultimate Edition, with all the shit, you know when, when they did that before? With Mortal Kombat, congratulations, would you like some lube? Would you like some lube with, 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 with that rape, with that rapage? Seriously, it's like here, here, we're gonna, we're gonna bend you over, and we're gonna stick our hands up your ass, 
and we're going to work your mouth like a puppet. Do you want to give us all your money? Yes, yes I do. Yes. That's that's what they just did. That's what ne- that's what NetherRealm did to gamers. All hand work the mouth like a puppet. Seriously. Luckily for me, I actually won the season pass in a contest. So I got the season pass. I didn't pay shit. And that's how they get you. And the season pass only gave you, only gave you, here's the kicker. You only got uh, Scorpion, uh, Zod, Lobo, and Batgirl. Four characters. You have to pay for Martian Manhunter. You have to pay for Zatanna. And that that's what I'm saying. You already had a season pass, but that season pass wasn't good for two other characters. What the fuck was that? And that, my friends, is why I get angry. You know? And yes, like Slick said, and Scorpion is so DC. It, exactly. You guys remember the scathing article I wrote about Scorpion being included and you having to pay for that shit? It's stupid. And now you're going to buy the entire game and it'll probably be 50 bucks. So all anybody who bought the DLC got fucked. And it's true, WWE's past lets you get all the DLC. By the way, Jay, get in touch with me next week about 2K14. That's all I'm saying. All right, so I'm 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 upset not because I didn't get, you know, you know. You know, I don't get upset because I I was fortunate enough to win the DLC. But I know guys that bought the D, the season pass and then bought Martian Manhunter and Zatanna and they were like dude are you fucking serious I just fucking bought Zatanna like a week ago oh yeah you know you know oh sorry guys oops I think they did that done a sale on the DLC and I remember I think that's how the how how the guy ended up getting Zatanna he was like oh I finally got Zatanna because I didn't want to pay I think I paid like two dollars for the character oh you paid two dollars for the character okay that's great but you still paid 15 or 20 for the season pass. So that's 80 plus five for Martian Manhunter. That's 85 two for Zatanna. That's 87 plus tax, roughly $95. If you're lucky for what you sit on your ass, you wait a couple of months. Oh, look, ultimate edition. Now with more characters. You know what's crazy? The Mortal Kombat Complete Collection. Luckily, I never bought the DLC for Mortal Kombat. The one with Freddy Krueger and all the other characters, I bought it for $14.99 on Amazon last week. I liked Mortal Kombat. I never bought the DLC. Now I I sold my other Mortal Kombat for $25, and I bought the Complete Edition for $14. This is, this is, this is bullshit. That's all I'm saying. Square, uh, Sleeping Dogs is going to be getting a sequel. Um, it's going to be in development by Square Enix. It's going to be called uh, Sleeping Dogs The Triad Wars. And it will be released in 2014. Unfortunately, I didn't see anything about this when I met with Square Enix on Wednesday. But it seems that Sleeping Dogs will be getting a sequel. So there you have it. If you guys have been by MyTakeRadio.com, you probably saw the article about Telltale's The Wolf Among Us, which was released. Uh, it should have been. It should be in your 
Xbox and PSN stores today. Um, it's going to run $4.99 for the first episode, but you can buy a season pass, which gives you episodes two through five for $14.99. Again, these are the episodes, five bucks for the first, $14.99 for the other ones. It's a $20 game. It's probably a $20 game in the store. If they sold it as a disc, eh. If you do Steam, you can buy the season pass from Steam for $25, but it's 10% off if you pre-order. So if you want to pick up The Wolf Among Us on Steam and you pre-order it, you save 10%. So there you have it. Infinity Ward seems to be learning from the Rockstar debacle with GTA Online, and they were saying that Call of Duty Ghosts will have dedicated servers across all platforms across its, you know, upon its release. So every console is going to have dedicated servers to allow the game to run smoothly. The Xbox One version would utilize Microsoft's 300,000 server network with Xbox Live Cloud Service. The PC version also will be getting its own dedicated servers. And, of course, they will be adding servers for PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Wii U, and Xbox 360 as well. So there you have it, guys. If you are picking up Call of Duty Ghosts and are scared of the same issues that GTA Online had, know that you'll be able to... Enjoy the games due to dedicated servers available. So, nice work from the team at Infinity Ward. I'm sure that Call of Duty Ghosts will probably sell a billion dollars. Not as fast as, as GTA. Not happening, sorry. But, definitely will make a billion dollars. So, them pre- preparing in advance for the server load is a smart move. Need for Speed Rivals, which I talked about a couple of weeks back on the site, has a release date. It will be released in North America on November 22nd on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. Um, Xbox your Xbox One gamers in Europe will be getting it November 22nd, and uh, the PlayStation 4 in Europe will not be seen until November 29th. So there you have it. Castlevania Lords of Shadow will be releasing a collection on November 5th for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. That's going to include Castlevania Lords of Shadow and Castlevania Lords of Shadow Mirror of Fate. It's also going to include a demo for Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2, which is in stores in February. The compilation will also also feature both Reverie and Resurrection DLC packs for Mirror of Fate. In total, you should be getting roughly about 40 hours of gameplay. So if you haven't played the Castlevania series and you want to pick it up, you'll be able to bag them both with a Lords of Shadow collection on November 5th. Eurogamer reported earlier this week that GTA 5 is coming to PC. So those of you that are waiting for a PC version will have to wait until the first quarter of 2014. There you have it, ladies and gents, 2014 first quarter. You'll be able to play GTA 5 on the PC. So we're going to close out the gaming news this week, talking about GH, uh, GHQ, THQ, who we all know went the way of the Dodo and is pretty much dead in the water, but it seems that they still got a little fight left in them because they are suing EA and Zufa, the parent company of the UFC, because they claim that EA intentionally damaged THQ's relationship with Zufa to broker a deal for its own UFC license. THQ claims EA used inside knowledge about its financial situation to commit uh, torturous interference with its contract. 
THQ is seeking to recover the value of the UFC property, the profits of the UFC franchise, and at least $10 million in damage from EA. The suit also aims to disallow Zufa's bankruptcy claims against THQ. Um, definitely very, very interesting. Slick brought to my attention that Best Buy is going to be doing a four-day sale starting now with a ton of games on sale, so definitely check out BestBuy.com or your local Best Buy to see the titles that are on sale. Slick, if you, ha- if you haven't have a link for that, feel free to post it in the chat so that the rest of our listeners and viewers can see it as well. Um, it's, it's crazy that this was going on with, uh, Zufa and THQ because when EA announced that they were doing a UFC game, I said that it's cool that the UFC is coming to EA, but I was bummed by the fact that EA spoke so poorly about the sport of mixed martial arts. And then all of a sudden got in bed with Zufa to create a UFC game on the EA for, you know, for an EA franchise and, it, maybe THQ has a bit of a case, but I don't think that they have enough of a case to get the the money that they're looking for. I'm sure that that, that there was definitely some some shenanigans going on behind the scenes because you got to think about it. THQ put out very good UFC games. THQ was going under, but it hadn't gone under yet before Zufa announced their deal with EA. If you guys remember, THQ hadn't finished. It hadn't finished going into bankruptcy yet when the UFC announced that they were doing the next game with EA. So definitely a very, very interesting turn of events. And uh, we're definitely going to be monitoring this very closely because I want to see how THQ is going to resolve this. Because Zufa can say that they felt that THQ wasn't, you know, it, it, you know, that THQ wasn't forthright with their financial situation but the case can be made that thq had a right to let zufa know that if ea let them know that in advance you know and i like what strider says in the chat he says ea mma is one of the most distasteful franchises in history then all of a sudden holy crap mma is making an ass load of money mma is awesome that's exactly it and that's what upsets me the most it's not the fact that, that EA is working with Zufa to create the game. It's the fact that EA went on record saying, hey, MMA is shit, and Dana White was all pissed off. Then fast forward, EA's like, yeah, UFC is awesome. And Dana White's like, fuck yeah, guys, give us your money. And and I'm a, that's what upsets me, you know? It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy the way it works. But THQ may be onto something because it's true. If THQ never told Zufa about their financial information because they were still working out the terms of whether they were going to go bankrupt or not, it's, um, it's one of those things where there, there might be a case. So I'll definitely keep an eye on this story as it develops. And of course, if anything happens, I'll make sure to share it with you guys. All right. So. That's going to wrap up this week's show. I mean, no, it's not. Sorry. It's going to wrap up this segment, not this show. That's uh, my brain shutting off. I guess the monster's not working as effectively as it should. Anyway, that's going to wrap up the gaming news for this week. Let's get into some entertainment, shall we?
As usual, MTR's entertainment segment is brought to you by Ripped Apparel, makers of this awesome pop culture t-shirt with Ash from Evil Dead in the Doom style. Ripped Apparel makes a ton of pop culture t-shirts. They are proudly partnered with us at MTR. If you want to pick up any Ripped Apparel shirts, make sure to check out the banner on MyTakeRadio.com. Check out all their daily t-shirts, which are active for 24 hours. Awesome designs every day. And of course, buying through the MTR banner helps us out, allows us to keep the lights on and have all this awesome equipment. But this shirt is not available, but it's definitely comfortable, pretty awesome. And um, I'm a huge Evil Dead fan, so it works for me. So shout out to the crew at Ripped for that. Like I said, make sure to check out RippedApparel.com. R-I-P-T apparel.com and you can check out their daily t-shirts. I'll make sure to put a link in the in the in the fan page and also in the chat room so you guys can check out the daily shirt. Anyway, so this week there was a lot going on. Of course, New York Comic Con is going on, so we got news coming out of there that we will be discussing next week. But of course, you guys already know that. We're not working Comic-Con, but we're still working for the site, so we'll be putting out stuff throughout the weekend. Anyway, one of the things I wanted to talk about, if you guys have been following our YouTube channel, you'll know that um, I recently posted a video for the Ultimate Spider-Man Halloween special with the um, uh, Nick Fury's Howling Commandos. Now, if you saw that video, you'll know that the trailer showcased Blade, who was actually voiced by Terry Crews. So Newsarama actually did an interview with Terry Crews about his voice spot on Ultimate Spider-Man, and he shared his thoughts about working on the Blade character, but he also expressed interest in wanting to play the thing in the Fantastic Four reboot. Now, here's the thing. When we were talking about a couple of weeks back about Michael B. Jordan uh, playing Human Torch, I was not a fan of that. But if you want to make Ben Grimm African-American, I have no problem with that. Because even if he's African-American, he's going to turn into a big orange monster. Simple as that. Human Torch is related to, you know, he's the brother of, of Invisible Woman, of Susan Storm. They're brother and sister. So you either have to make Susan Storm black or you have to say that she was adopted or something to make it work. Again... I have no problem with it if there was already some sort of canon set up where the Fantastic Four was was either African-American or a mixed-race family. It would work. But the thing is, Fantastic Four has been the same in the Ultimate Universe, in the 616 Marvel Universe. It's pretty much been the same with regards to Mr. Fantastic being married to Invisible Woman, whose brother is Johnny Storm, and the Thing, of course is their their colleague. That's it. That's the way it's been. The only major changes to the Fantastic Four have either been when Spider-Man has been part of the team or when the team was Ghost Rider, Hulk, Spider-Man, and Wolverine, which would be pretty awesome if they did a movie with those characters because, gee, they've been established in Hollywood. I, I actually think that people would lose their fucking minds. You start off the movie... With the regular Fantastic Four, something happens, and Hulk, Wolverine, Ghost Rider, and Spider-Man carry the other half of the movie uh, 
and you know, and of course the regular Fantastic Four come back. But wishful thinking. Dark Helmet says, make Johnny Storm black and Sue Storm half black. Problem solved. Or never have Johnny Storm turn human. Stay on fire at all times. <laughs> this is why I love our listeners, because they, they go to such great lengths to come up with these. They're valid points, but the thing with me is, if you're going to change the narrative, change it based on a change in the source material. Much like they did with Nick Fury. Nick Fury, people were like, oh, why is Nick Fury black? Oh, well, if you read Ultimate Marvel, you know that Nick Fury is black. And not for nothing, African American or black Nick Fury or Blick Fury, as I've seen it written in a couple of forums, is got so popular that he's actually in the regular Marvel Universe. So that's how crazy it is that they created these characters for the Ultimate Universe and... Some of them become so popular that boom, you know, you got, you know, Black Nick Fury is Nick Fury's son in the 616. Thank you, Slick. So, again, that that kind of logic applies. (laughs) Jay, I'm not even I'm not even going to say that. I can't I can't even do that. But seriously, I, I. I have no problems if you want to change the Fantastic Four, but at least give us some uh, uh, some backstory where the Fantastic Four can be changed. If you would have done Ultimate Fantastic Four and they were, you know, mixed race or different people, you know, African-American or Hispanic or white, black, and Hispanic or Asian or whatever you chose to do, but at least let it be established somewhere. That's all. I don't care. You want to make Human Torch black? Great. But at least let it be somewhere. Let it come from something. Not just, oh, I want to change it because I just want to make it different. Doesn't work. I remember when they did the story with um, Captain America being African American. And the reasoning that the story was done was because Steve Rogers wasn't the first Captain America... And they originally tested the super soldier serum on the Tuskegee airmen. And that was a fantastic story. Fantastic, fantastic story. And the crazy thing was that it wasn't that Captain America was black. It was just the fact that the first super soldier was African American. But when that story broke, people were so angry. They were so angry. Oh, how are you going to make Nick Fury black, man? What the fuck? It was it was insane. You know? It's 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 insane that that the the links that people go for for certain things. And I'll be honest, if you changed the Fantastic Four and made them, you know, a multiracial family, at least introduce it somewhere. Like I said, Ultimate Marvel Universe was was fertile ground for you to do that. But you chose to do Fantastic Four in the Ultimate Universe like you did it in 616. And then you want to create this crazy shit for Hollywood because you can? No. No, does it work? Now, if you want to change Ben Grimm and you want to make him African American, doesn't matter. Like I said, sure. You could say, oh, well, in the comics, Ben Grimm's a white guy. How mu- how long do you really see Ben Grimm not being the thing? 
Seriously. Like, as a longtime comic book fan, I think I've seen Ben Grimm on, like, five pages across, like, 20 books versus him being the thing the bulk of the time. Seriously. For though, if, if you guys disagree, by all means, share your thoughts, but tell, tell, tell me the truth. How many times have you seen Ben Grimm as Ben Grimm versus him being the thing? Waffles, I know you're going to bring up uh, uh, Spider-Man being black, and we'll talk about that in a second as well. But think about it. Think about how, how much you see Ben Grimm versus how much you see the thing. It really doesn't make a difference. Simple as that. It's different with the Hulk and Bruce Banner because you see Bruce Banner a lot of the time versus the Hulk. Same thing with Venom. You can make Venom African-American if you wanted to because he goes to different hosts. You can do that. Or Carnage. No, no, no. See, in that instance, to, to go with what you guys are saying in the chat, that you can do that. You can make that work. Because quite honestly it doesn't really affect anything. You know, because though the symbiote goes on a host, the host, it doesn't matter what color the host is, that's the host. It's different, like I said, with characters that are established that you automatically want to change. I have issue with that. Now, Terry Crews talking about wanting to play The Thing, If I, I wouldn't actually mind seeing Terry Crews play Blade. Terry Crews, he voiced Blade very well. In the Ultimate Spider-Man clip, I felt that it just worked. He had the voice; you could see that he was pro- that he was digging the character. What do you guys think of Terry Crews being Blade? I think that would work. I'm curious that would what you know because honestly, if they there's been talk of them bringing Blade back, so I'd like to see Blade on the silver screen in another R-rated film and create like a Marvel Max imprint for those characters. And let Marvel kind of branch out into those movies. Think about it. You could do um, a, a new Ghost Rider since Marvel has the rights. You could do Daredevil. You could do The Punisher. You could do Blade. And you can put them under that Marvel Knights or Marvel Max imprint and allow those movies to be R rated. I think that would work. Michael Jai White would have been a great Blade if he was a little younger. Michael Jai White, you know, obviously besides being a friend of the show, he would be he would be a great blade. I just feel that his age at this point would maybe th- keep him out of it if you want to create a very lengthy franchise. Michael Jai White would make a good Luke Cage. I think a good Luke Cage would work because Luke Cage is definitely a little a little older, a little older, and I just think he looks more in line with being Luke Cage. With Blade I like I like Terry Crews. I think Terry Crews would work. If you want to go a little younger with Blade, I would probably go... Now, now this is crazy. Yeah, Michael Jai White would have made an awesome Bishop. Digimon Hansu definitely would have made an awesome Black Panther. But for Blade, besides Terry Crews, I probably would have gone with... Um, what the hell is it? I kind of like Bakeem Woodbine. Bakeem Woodbine would make a would make a good blade. If you want to do a blade that's a little younger, I don't know if you guys will agree with that. Bakeem Woodbine is a very very underrated actor, and I like I like a lot of his work. He and I think he'd make a good blade. I remember that one of the guys from Onyx 
was was Blade in the Spike TV. Um, yeah, was it was it Sticky Fingers that was Blade in the Spike TV series? Slick, do you know? Don't it was was it Sticky Fingers? It was right. Thanks, guys. I told you know it just came to me so quickly. Sticky Fingers was Blade in in the Spike TV version, but. When I thought about it, I'm like, was Bakeem Woodbine Blade? And then I was like, nah, nah, nah. It was, it was one of the Onyx guys. Thank you for that, because I, I wasn't sure. But seriously, Bakeem Woodbine's a solid actor. Either Bakeem Woodbine or Terry Crews would make a good Blade. I, I would say Michael B. Jordan, but it's like everybody wants Michael B. Jordan to play somebody because he's a young black guy that everybody's kind of feeling. Slick says Bakeem Woodbine got a big head and crooked teeth. Yeah, but you can hide the crooked teeth with the vampire fangs. So maybe the big ass head not so. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I I gotta say, Bakeem Woodbine was probably the best in um the big hit. If you guys it, it, Slick, do me a favor if possible. Look up on 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 YouTube the big hit. In that movie, Bakeem Woodbine played an, an assassin alongside Mark Wahlberg, Lou Diamond Phillips, and Antonio Sabato Jr. Now, you know, in that film, he was one of the hitmen. And originally, when the movie started, Bakeem Woodbine talked about how he used to get laid a lot, and that he disco- he recently discovered jerking off. That was like the comic relief. So he was like. As soon as he discovered it, throughout the entire movie, he felt that it was the end-all, be-all. That he didn't need a woman anymore. He'd go, they'd show him yelling at, at, at the guy at the grocery store because he wanted lotion with lanolin. Or he'd be using like a, like a forearm flex machine. And, it was, and, he, and he'd like talk to his hands. It was so silly, but it was probably some of his best work because it was such a different character. It was so crazy. Like he would yell at Mark Wahlberg characters, at Mar- at Mark's Wal- at Mark Wahlberg's character, and he would go, "I don't know about you, man, but I wouldn't waste time with those two trifling bitches. Straight jacking saves you mad cream." It was the craziest line ever, because <laughs> it was like, "What the fuck did he just say?" I remember when I saw the big hit, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And it was so stupid, but so funny. And yeah, he was awesome and strapped. The the thing about strap that tripped me out, and it's funny you bring it up, Jay, is when the little girl got shot, it fucked me up. When the little girl got shot in that movie Strapped with Bakeem Woodbine, it was such a, a, a terrifying visual when that movie came out because it was a time when you rarely saw children get killed on screen. Whenever a kid got killed in a movie, it would be off screen. You'd never really see it. But Strapped was one of the first films I saw when I was growing up where I'm like, oh my God, a kid got shot on screen. Like, that's that's the thing. That's the thing that people people don't notice. Like, Strapped and a couple of other movies, those were some of the earlier movies where you actually saw children get killed. Think about this. In Friday the 13th, I believe it was part six, Jason busted through um, the cabin with all the kids in it. Now, Jason was a fucking killer. You would think that... You know, he'd kill the kids. But conveniently, you know, the kids didn't get killed in that film. I think Hollywood was, at that time, very nervous about children being killed on screen. And Strapped was one of the first movies I saw. I was like, oh my god. You know, like, that little girl just got shot. Aliens vs. Predator, the second one, 
had no problems. Like, they killed a kid on screen and everything. I was like, holy shit. And it tripped me out. But in the case of, of, of Strapped, I was, wow. How old was I when Strapped came out? I need to, to do a little IMDB real quick because I was, uh, damn. Um, I want to say I was 12 or 13. Um, am I right? Let's see. Uh, Strapped. Was it 2000? Ah, 1993. I was 13 years old when Strapped came out. Thank you guys. Thank you, Strider. Uh, thank you, Slick. Yeah, I was, I was, I was 13 when Strapped came out. So think about it. You're 13 years old. You're watching this movie on cable. This little girl gets shot. You're just like, it's just, wow. You know, it, it's so crazy because it wasn't even like a teenage girl. It was a little girl. It fucked you. It, it fucked you up. Now, now the thing, you know, it, it's funny because we go into this conversation about that, but Strapped, Strapped was, you know, it was a made-for-TV movie. It was on HBO. It, was, it wasn't that great, but it was like, it was like, holy cow. It was, it was so surreal. Like, that was during the time when they did, you know, New Jersey Drive, Juice. Like, it was, it was you know, so many, so many different movies that, that really were crossing the line with regards to, to how crime was committed came out during the 90s. It was, it was ridiculous. When I lived in Queensbridge, they were filming King of New York. I remember that with uh, Christopher Walken. So a lot of us from New York can vouch for a lot of these movies because some of them were even filmed in our neighborhood. Which is crazy. In a lot of our neighborhoods. Like Jay is talking about, um, you know, it was filmed in his neighborhood. And like I said, they filmed um, King of New York when I lived in Queensbridge. And the list goes on and on. But those movies, they were, it it was insane. You know, you look, you're watching and the gun goes off. And then you see this little girl in the grocery store and she just starts bleeding. I was like, I was so tripped out man that was it was insane but anyway we could talk about old 90s flicks on a completely different episode but terry cruz working as blade i have no problem with it or terry cruz working as the thing is not a problem either mark millar uh posted on the millar world forums that he has a uh, he's read a screenplay for the uh, the film adaptation of nemesis now if you guys aren't familiar with nemesis it is a book that needs to be read. I can't I can't do the book justice explaining it to you, but you guys, if you have a chance, do yourselves a favor and read Nemesis because it is a fantastic comic and the ending alone will blow your mind. The ending is so crazy that 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 it just it just it just tripped me out. So, the fact that it's 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 being considered for for a big screen feature is amazing. Uh, Joe Carnahan is co-writing the film with Matthew Carnahan, and the film is going to be released by 20th Century Fox. There's no release date or no casting yet, but a screenplay is in the works. I don't know how you're going to be able to translate that film to the big screen and tell the story the way it was told in the books because it is it is insanity. Like Nemesis is such an amazing character, but he's it, and the best part is like Nemesis could be anyone. The way that the book was written, it is so good. I cannot endorse Nemesis enough. If you enjoyed Kick-Ass and you like Mark Millar's work, 
check out Nemesis. Either pick it up through um, one of the comic apps or see if they have the trade on Amazon. I'm, I'm not joking when I tell you that Nemesis is an amazing book with a twist so crazy that it'll blow your mind. So check it out. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Nemesis is an awesome book. Our friends at Latino Review seem to have confirmed that Aaron Johnson, who played Kick-Ass, has officially signed on to play Quicksilver in the Avengers Age of Ultron. Of course, Taylor, Aaron Taylor Johnson would be the brother of Scarlet Witch, who Sam Jackson confirmed was going to be portrayed by Elizabeth Olsen. So there you have it. Avengers Age of Ultron hits theaters May 1st, 2015. Uh, 2015. I don't understand why I keep drying out. I'm not doing any voices this week. All right, let's get into some box office totals. Gravity, of course, was number one with $55 million. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs took in the number two slot. Runner, runner was number three. <laughs> of course, I knew Strider was going to laugh at uh, drying out. Uh, Prisoners was, actually, Runner Runner was number three, Prisoners was number four, Rush was number five, Don John was, or Don Juan, or however you want to call it, was number six, Baggage Claim was number seven, Insidious Part Two was number eight, Pulling Strings was number nine, Enough Said was number ten, uh, earning $5.4 million. I'm not shocked that Gravity had such a good turnout because everyone is talking about gravity and saying that it's amazing. And that if you go see it, you got to see it in IMAX because it's such a large scale film. I need to get out to the theater to see it. Yeah. People actually saw baggage claim. <laughs> As a matter of fact, baggage claim made $4.1 million this past weekend. It's made in total $15.2 million. Yes. And yes, hard times vocally. Thank you, Jay. It's it's crazy. It is crazy that baggage claim made that cracked fifteen million dollars. As for gravity, it's it's such a crazy looking film. And like I said, so many people are like, "Yo, man, it's surprisingly good." I thought it was gonna suck, and I I, I need to get out there to see it because, like I said, I, I and I I have an IMAX theater by me, and I'd really like to see it in IMAX just to see if it's as crazy as they say. Um, oh yeah, Machete Kills is, is a definite slick, don't even, don't even play, dude, I'm gonna be there day one, I don't think the missus is gonna go and sit through this one with me, I may go see it myself, though, because the, the violence just, just needs to be appreciated, that's today? Are you serious? Oh, fuck, I didn't know that, damn, Oh, I fucked up. I fucked up. I didn't know that was today. Thank you, Slick. Thank you. Damn, I can't even go see it this weekend because we're doing the uh, the the UFC gym grand opening tomorrow. Shit. Uh, all right. Well, when I go to see it, I will let you know. <laughs> I will definitely let you guys know. I don't know if me and Slick will get to go see it, but... Uh, no, Sunday morning is going to be tough because I got some other shit going on Sunday morning, but uh, I will, uh, I will keep you posted. So a couple of weeks back, we were talking about John Chu from GI Joe retaliation doing masters of the universe. 
Turns out that John Chu is no longer set to direct the live-action adaptation of He-Man. So here's the scary part. Terry Rossio, who did The Lone Ranger, is set to rewrite the script. <laughs> God. As soon as I hear Lone Ranger and Masters of the Universe in the same sentence, nothing good can come of it. Nothing. But, John, and, and I was bummed too because John Chu was really, really pumped. He was, he was looking to do He-Man justice. I mean, he did a good job with G.I. Joe Retaliation, but for him to drop out, is, it's a fucking huge blow. I'm definitely bummed with that. I, I mean, not to say that, that Terry Rossio will do a bad job rewriting the script, but let's just say The Lone Ranger. Simple as that. So we were talking about the Fantastic Four early on with Terry Crews. The other bit of casting news that came out came out courtesy of Variety. They were saying that Kit Harrington and Sarice Ronan were both uh, looking to test for principal roles in the film. According to what they're saying, Kit Harrington, Jack O'Connell, and Miles Teller all read lines to portray Reed Richards. Meanwhile, uh, Sarice Ronan... Kate Mara and Margot Robbie tested as Susan Storm. As of right now, Michael B. Jordan is still mentioned to play Johnny Storm, though that may change. And of course, no name, no names have been mentioned for Ben Grimm or for the villain. So, so let me get this straight. Jon Snow as Mr. Fantastic and, you know, either Kate Mara... Sarice Ronan or uh, Margot Robbie as Sue Storm. I'm I'm just saying, just just let that sink in. Kid Harrington, you know nothing, Jon Snow, as Reed Richards. He'd have to cut that that English Jerry curl that he's rocking, and I think he might work. I think he might work. He seems he ha- he has a good enough sm- smooth delivery to play Mister Fantastic. I don't know who else I would cast. I mean, if you want to go younger with Fantastic Four, it's a little tougher because you don't want to get a guy who's too nerdy looking, but you don't want to get a guy who's too, you know, men's health cover model because that would definitely throw it off. So Kit Harrington is, is middle ground. It's definitely middle ground. Val says in the chat that Fantastic Four is doomed to be shit. Ah, you never know, dude. You never, ever know. In some small screen news, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been given a full season order from ABC. That means you're going to get nine more episodes that will take the series to a standard 22-episode season. Obviously, it's not a surprise since the show has averaged 9.5 million viewers and a 3.6 rating among adults 18 to 49. So there you have it. I'm not shocked either. I knew that S.H.I.E.L.D. was at least going to get one season. One season at minimal. But the problem with S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point, besides the fact that I hate Agents Fitz and Agent Simmons, even though they're going to be at Comic-Con this weekend, they are the two most annoying fucking characters on that show. Don't get me wrong, like the secret agent guy that works with them, not, not Coulson, the, 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 the men's health looking guy, the real generic fucking special agent guy, he, he has about as much acting ability as this, as this Megatron toy. This Megatron toy has more acting ability than the guy who's the special agent in S.H.I.E.L.D. I kid you not. This Megatron 
can probably do amazing action sequences. Look, he's fully he's fully posable and shit. Look at that. Look at that. His arm pops off, and he's he's multi jointed. Better acting. Better fucking acting than that guy. That guy. That guy is terrible. Slick, you're telling me that there's no video. There's no video? Do you guys have video in there? Huh. Slick is saying there's no video. Are you guys seeing... There's been no video at all. Wow. I didn't know that uh, Suncast cut the video off. Oh. Alright. Well, thanks for the update, guys. I mean, I guess I'll get with Suncast after the show for that. Anyway, as I was saying, so, wow, I didn't even know that. I did mention it earlier, it kept freezing. No, no, I know I know it kept freezing, but I didn't know that Suncast had disabled the video. Huh. No, I didn't turn video off. I actually have my camera running. Um, no, 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 you know, it's funny, Slick, Slick... Slick mentions in the chat room, for those of you that obviously aren't in there, that I told him to shut off the video. You know, it's funny. I told him to shut off the video and throw the logo up, but I still see video in my camera. So I thought that you guys were still getting video. I apologize. I'm over here thinking that you guys were were seeing video when it turns out you weren't. Damn, that's that's a fuck up on my part. I, I apologize for that. Hopefully, we'll get the video thing resolved for next week's show. Huh. Very, very weird. Anyway. Let's go through Let's go through the rest of the uh, movie news for this week. Last week, we were talking about Horrible Bosses 2 and how that pretty much was a go. It turns out that now they're looking to have Chris Pine and Christoph Waltz working as a father and son duo in Horrible Bosses 2. But, um, I don't know. I mean, Horrible Bosses was funny, but I don't think the shit was that funny. On the contrary, was it funny enough to warrant a second film? I don't know. I, I think it was good on its own, but as a second movie, I just I just wasn't feeling it. But who knows? I guess um, Chris Pine and Christoph Waltz, I don't know if they're going to be able to to really add some heavy comedic chops to the film versus the other, the other actors from the first movie, the the previous horrible bosses, because those guys have a different set of, of comedic timing skills that just work better. In Chris Pine's case, Chris Pine is good as like a, as like a smarmy guy, but overall comedy, I don't feel that that works. I really don't feel that works as for Christoph Waltz. I think Christoph Waltz works very well. Also, but in my opinion, it's, um, again, Christoph Waltz is okay. Now you guys are telling me that I have no audio. I'm still broadcasting on Mixler. There you go. All right, guys. I know that you, it's been a wild night with this audio. So we're almost finished with the show anyway. So, uh, stop. All right. There you go. Strider put a great solution in there. A lot of you guys, if you're having trouble, just make sure to refresh Anyway, we got two bits of movie news left anyway, so we can wrap things up. Uh, the the uh, Wolverine Blu-ray version that's coming out in a couple of weeks 
is definitely worth picking up. They're releasing what's called an Unleash Extended Edition. It's going to be a four-disc set that includes a 3D Blu-ray, regular Blu-ray, DVD, and digital copy. But these are the bonuses that are worth mentioning. You're going to have the making of feature. You're going to have an alternate ending. You're going to get some Days of the Future past stuff. But you're also going to get the unrated cut that James Mangold wanted to put out of Wolverine which is very important because the unrated cut is the one that had more of the of the violent side. So you're going to see, you know, a deeper story, an alternate ending, and a lot more violence. It's pretty much going to be the R-rated version of Wolverine that you guys have have wanted to see. So for those of you that didn't get to see Wolverine in the theaters and have excuse me, have been on the fence about it, Definitely pick it up on Blu-ray or DVD on November 19th because you're going to get the unrated director's cut, which is going to be blood, violence, all the usual stuff. Because the reasoning, according to what they were saying, is James Mangold created a, a, a more hardcore version of Wolverine, but according to him and a couple of other articles I've read, it seems that Marvel and the studio wanted it scaled back because clearly they wanted to get, they wanted to get you know the, the kid money. Which, it shouldn't be a surprise. You want to get the kid money when it comes to this film. Because that's that's what matters. The kid money is the biggest factor when it comes to these Marvel properties. That's what I said, that's why I said before that Marvel should institute either a Marvel Max or, you know, a Marvel Knights imprint for these characters that are a little bit more aggressive. Because then, you can put them out under a, a banner... That protects, you know, for the children, so to speak, that protects the kids. Unfortunately, that's not the case, but I personally think that that would be the better course of action. Going with that versus going with, you know, releasing these these stripped out movies that aren't good because the characters aren't able to work within the confines of their source material. And it's funny because Strider says Wolverine's a role model. He fucks bitches and kill pe- and kills people, not necessarily in that order. And it's true. I agree. Now, the thing that gets me with this is that the R-rated direct well, not the R-rated director's cut, but the unrated director's cut, a lot of people have said gives us the truest version of Wolverine. I don't know how accurate that is. So, like I said, if you guys are are felt a little bit let down by the Wolverine, Definitely give it a shot. It's a, it's a great value, you know, with the four discs. Plus, you get um, a little bit of days of X Men Days of the Future Past. I personally want to see how how different the unrated director's cut is versus the standard cut that we saw in theaters. Definitely worth checking out. Last bit of small screen news to wrap things up. USA has renewed Covert Affairs. The spy drama is getting a fifth season with 16 episodes. Of course, Covert Affairs airs during the summer usually and into the earlier part of the fall. And, it's, and this year, it's being broadcast alongside White Collar. If you've never seen Covert Affairs, it's a, it's a spy drama similar to Burn Notice. And the lead actress is the girl from Coyote Ugly. It's Piper Paribu. And yes, Silver Samurai did look like shit. But the reason he looked like shit was because he was this giant robot that was like nine times bigger than Wolverine. So that's answering Val's question in the chat. He said, I heard Silver Samurai look like shit. He was a very, he was cool looking. I just felt that he was, 
he was way too he was way too huge, way bigger than he should have been for um for for what was done. Yeah, pretty much Wolverine fought a Gundam. Yes, that's that's actually a good analogy for that. He did. Wolverine fought Gundam. That's it. He fought a giant mech. That because that's what the Silver Samurai was. There was a lot of good things in that film, but there were also certain things that I think were hampered by the fact that you had to stay within the confines of a PG-13 release. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, when the film comes out, and like I said, Covert Affairs is getting a fifth season. All right, that's going to wrap up a very crazy and technical difficulty laden edition of My Take Radio. Let's take it home. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 201 for Thursday, October 10th, 2013. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at mytakeradio. Become a fan on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mytakeradio. Add us to your circle on Google+. You can also follow our boards on Pinterest. And last but not least, you can always follow me on Instagram, uh, mytakeradio underscore rich on Instagram. With those of you that have sent Facebook friend requests, please note that um, unless I really, really know you, I'm not going to add you to my personal Facebook. But I have enabled following So I do share a lot of updates publicly. So if you want to keep up with some of the stuff that's going on outside of the confines of the show page, you can subscribe to updates on Facebook as well. All right. If you want the best and most complete My Take Radio experience, make sure to pick up our official apps for Android and iOS devices as well as Windows Mobile. For Android, you can find the app in the Amazon Marketplace For iOS, of course, you can find it on iTunes. And for Windows Mobile, you can find it in the Windows Marketplace. And it retails for $1.99, cheaper than a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And as always, you can always listen to MTR via Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Zune Marketplace, TuneIn Radio. And you can see reruns on the GFQ Network, gfqlive.tv. Except for this week, of course, because video did not want to work. Also, for those of you that get the show via Blog Talk Radio, we're going to have to upload this episode since I could not log into Blog Talk Radio either. All right. On behalf of myself, Slick, Jay Santi, Ben, Andrea, the Buried Boys, and the rest of the MTR family, thank you guys for tuning in for episode 201. I will catch you guys next week. Peace. What music is gonna take us out this week? I think we're gonna go out with our uh, Sonic the Hedgehog that the the disjointed chemical available from ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. Catch you guys next week. <laughs>